My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we'll bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it's the WNR 167. It's WWE versus WCW. But before we do anything, even before the alternate intro, let's address the elephant in the room, and that, of course... <laughs> no, that's an F1 car. <laughs> ah, my bad, sorry. Of course, it is England versus... Um, it's really difficult to talk about, actually. England versus Croatia. Dan, what are your thoughts on it? Because you've had a kind of different reaction to everybody else. So I'm quite interested to hear what you've got to say. What's my reaction? Well, no, because I think we should be proud of what we accomplished out there. I think the boys should be proud of what it is. Of course, it's a disappointment. But if you look at the level of um, ability that we had, you know, with everything going on, I think we can we can be happy. And you were saying to me how you're not. You're trying to make me out to be a pariah here. I see you hanging me out for slaughter. No, I'm, I'm incredibly proud. Of course, you know, I would like to have had the World Cup won and brought home to England with football. No, you know, it, it, it's been an interesting tournament. I don't think we've uh, we've played the best football of late, you know, especially for the past couple of matches. We wasn't our, uh, at our strongest. So we're clearly looking exhausted out there as well. So, yeah, you know, it's it's... It is what it is, but you know, I'm I'm proud of what they've done, but you know, I'm also I'm also annoyed at all the fake armchair fans, the ones that don't watch it week in week out, saying, "Oh, come on, England, we love you," and it's like, well, no, if if you actually liked football, then you'd be watching it week in week out. Isn't it nice that you can get new fans to football? Well, no, because they're not going to be fucking sat in front of the telly Saturdays and Sundays watching it, are they? Or in Tottenham's case, Wednesdays as well. Yeah, I suppose. But do you think it's kind of Harry Kane's to blame for what happened as well with the miss that he had. If you look at it, I mean, you know, he like with all the chances that England had in that first half, if Kane had put that away, been two 0 and you're thinking, job done here. I think it's a, it's a it's disappointment. Well, they shouldn't have relied solely on one person. The fate of the nation shouldn't have arrived. If the rest of the team would have turned up, there wouldn't have been so much pressure on Harry Kane. He wouldn't have been so knackered throughout the last couple of matches, and maybe he'd have produced like a few more goals. Well, I'm just I'm glad you've chilled out since it first happened. I mean, I was quite upset as well, but it is what it is, you know. And uh, well done for England, I would say, for what they've accomplished at the World Cup. But we do have to move on. Of course, we look back 20 years at WWE and WCW. So the alternate intro today is going to be a TV show from 1998. 
And see if you guess what it is. So Blossom, commander and the leader. Bubbles, she's the joy and the laughter. Buttercup, she's the toughest fighter. Powerpuff, save the day. Fighting crime, trying to save the world. Here they come, just in time. The Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff. Now, I really like Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> Maybe I'm one of you. Fuck off, is that 20 years old? That is 20 years old, 1998. Shit. <laughs> I remember watching that, Johnny Bravo, yeah. Dexter's Lab, all on Cartoon Network. Well, it's interesting because that hopefully uh, wraps... Well, I'll say it's, it's fucked up. It's 20 years ago, Wave Girls. But, of course, we do go back. And that's the alternate intro. Dan, what is the intro? In 1998, WWE and WCW were locked in a ratings war. Their shows, Raw and Nitro, went head-to-head on Mondays. The WNR podcast go back 20 years right in the middle of the battle. We've followed the war since the inception of Nitro, but now with the start of the Attitude Era and WCW still at its peak, the WNR podcast follow it month to month. This is WWE versus WCW, the Monday Night Wars, July 1998. Well, so on this episode, Team WNR will catch up with WCW from June 1st to July 12th, 1998, and the pay-per-view we will watch will be Bash at the Beach. I had a bash at the beach last week. <laughs> well, we're going to have one right now. Uh, we've got a five-point system in place, which is matches, promo, setting, roster, and of course, the rating. And who will focus on in WCW? Well, there's a plethora of talent at the moment. We've got Goldberg. Booker! Jericho, the Wolfpack, and Bret Hart, Eddie Guerrero. So we'll be looking at all these as well, and of course the five-point system. Um, oh, before we we start that properly, WWE 24 series. You watched Hardy's? Any thoughts on it? I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. It was quite in depth about Jeff and Matt both going talking about how they've been around for a while and uh you know their drug issues as well they was really focused on that i think they spent over half the time of the 24 series just talking about the drug issues and that and it's good you know to see them touching on the subject yeah, yeah i suppose yeah and they show they also showed a lot of footage from TNA uh the, the, when Jeff Hardy came out quite intoxicated and uh, Eric Bischoff commented saying there was no places to hide but Jeff managed to find somewhere to hide his pills. Yeah. And they even hired a team of uh, interns to actually look for the Hardys. <laughs> but, you know, his, uh, his, uh, what happened again, you know, in his match against Sting when he was actually the TNA world champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really, really embarrassing at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. And, you know, Eric Bischoff came out during the match and said, look, just hit him and Sting wasn't very happy because the Scorpion Death dropped one, two, three, and I was walking out saying this sucks and Sting and saying yeah I know it does yeah yeah I mean it was a real uh, low moment for Jeff Hardy like I say they call it personal demons but it's weird WWE does focus on it considering it is a PG era and they don't focus on a lot of other wrestlers that have had similar problems as well you know I know but I, I suppose highlighting it kind of Help. All right, so when we had last left it, the Wolfpack had just been formed and Hogan was fighting back. Sting had left WCW while Nash and Hall had split. Luckily for Nitro, they had an ace in the pack with Goldberg. Yeah, so Nitro results, June 1st, episode 142.
They have a video package of Sting with a soundtrack off. Good one, WCW. High production values. I was going to play it for you here. Here we go. Let's play the Sting video right now. Uh, nice free flare sign as well. And we move on to match one. Yes, and that is Jerry Flynn versus the cat. Well, Jesus, I feel like I'm watching a Shannon Tweed movie on late night showtime with that music. Flynn kicks him right away, but he's kicked right back. And Flynn drives him into the corner and kicks free and then clotheslines him. Flynn chops him in the throat, but Cat blocks the kick, takes him down and hammers him, only to be grabbed, flipped over and put in a cross arm breaker. Cat squirms to the ropes and Flynn now kicks and punches away. Cat muffs the sunset flip and they both fall into the ropes. Flynn kicks him in the back a few times and chokes him out with his boot. Cat is wallowing in the corner. He slammed and Flynn gets a two. Two. After a leg drop. Cat tries to fight back, but he's kicked only to grab him and slam him. Then he finishes him off. Yeah, I mean, it was an okay match. The Wolfpack arrives in a limo and they come out to quite the ovation. Heading's on crutches. And Nash asks DC, what is up? He wants to do a new survey. How many came to see Hollywood in the black and white? And they boo and, they, and then they erupt for the red and black attack, as Nash calls them. Nash hands it off to Lex Luger. A lot of red and black in the crowd, and he knows Sting will join, and the crowd chant his name. Sting has yet to join and wants him to take that step. Sting has always been around winners, so the choice is obvious, and Sting needs to take that step and make the right choice. If he needs any reinforcement, they are having fun in the back of a limo, and then repeats it. He's on drugs, isn't he? Luke, I don't remember what he's saying. They have decided to have a match. And they really want Hogan and the Giant. He calls Hogan jet flying like Flair, but bumbles over the words because <laughs> he's on drugs. The Wolfpack had to draw straws and it was Big Sexy and himself who get to face the black and white tonight. They've thrown down the gauntlet and Nash does the too sweet phrase. So it looks like Nash and the Wolfpack are taking over Nitro. Well, match two is Public Enemy versus Saturn and Raven. Saturn tears into Grunge, takes him over, tags in Raven, who stomps on him a couple of times, then tags Saturn back in. Saturn does not appreciate that and stares at him. So Grunge hammers him, and he, rock, he and Rock double-team him. Saturn backs off Grunge and then takes him down, but he's double-teamed again. Rock drops the elbow for two, two, and Grunge is tagged in. Rock holds him, and Grunge drops the elbow for the middle rope and gets another two. two. Saturn fights back and refuses to tag, and Rock comes back. Saturn is shoved into Raven, who tags himself in, and Raven comes over and levels Saturn. It may or may not have been an accident, and now they are arguing. They turn to take Grunge, but Rock clotheslines them both. They retreat to the floor, and Rock flips on top of them. Raven is flung into the steps inside the ring. Grunge hits a swinging neckbreaker. Grunge flips Rock on top of him from the top. Raven is placed on top of the table, and Rock flips on top of Raven, and the table does not break. And the Rock whispers to make sure he is okay. <laughs> That's always nice to see, I suppose. Rock sets him back up on the bent table and flips on top of him. Saturn sunge into Rock and hits a Death Valley driver and Raven somehow recovers and pins him. Don't, not sure how he did that, but it's a fun match. It looks like the split between the flock has already began. Who gives a flock, though? <laughs> well, Raven calls it a victory for him and blatantly adds Saturn. Because of Raven, they fire Canyon, and because he's been running roughshod over everyone, they decide to rehire Canyon, and he wants to know what about him. Luckily, he has Saturn to make sure he's okay, so he's rehired the flock, and since Canyon's been reinstated, he assigns him at the pay-per-view, and Raven calls it a favour. No thanks are necessary. And I think this is one of the problems 
when it comes to WCW and Nitro, the, a group breaking up is quite a basic thing to book, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, how to do that. You don't then have someone leave, come back, and then make it a little bit of a mess. It's difficult to understand the NWO, what's going on, let alone the flock now. And to have similar storylines like that is it's pretty difficult. But anyway, match three is next. And that is Alex Wright versus Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, my gigantic penis in action. Well, there's no Eddie. They lock up and Alex shoves him down. Chavo charges off the ropes and his power slammed. Alex does a little dance. He slams him again and then whips him into the corner. Alex uppercuts him, but Chavo is not happy and he tackles him. Then punches him over and over and then chokes him out. The referee has to pull him off. Hey. And then Alex rolls to the floor. Chavo swings to him and then flings him to the railing, then hammers him. Alex runs away into the railing, turns his back and walks away. So Chavo tears into him. Back in the ring, Chavo sent into the corner and put in a submission hold and he taps right away. Oh. Alex is baffled and Chavo grabs his leg and is hit. Chavo attacks him again and Eddie comes down and tries to calm him down. Eddie is back in the family fold and does not... He is back in the family fold and does not need to face Eddie. Chavo wants to, though. Uh, it's all like Jericho this year as he's tapped right away, kind of showing what kind of a silly hill he is. And Chavo wanted... Well, Eddie wanted Chavo to be accepted as Guerrero is, and now Chavo seems to have taken it a step too far. But here comes Macho and Liz. Tony's in the ring with them. Tony asks about he and Piper, and Macho wonders if he has to date Piper. Then he calls the wolf pack the bomb, but something does not sit well with him. Hogan and Hart will be crushed, and he wants to play something to play Piper's face, and calls him out. Piper wants to know what function is, major malfunction, and Savage agrees that they will face Hogan and Hart, and then crush them. He does not like the reversal of the decision. Piper wonders if he needs psychiatric help. Savage tells him not to go there, and he is the macho man. Macho wants a piece of him after the match, and Piper slurs out an argument. Uh, and Piper slurs out an agreement. Savage goes to motion to the crowd and Piper quivers and Piper quivers as he calls him back. Piper again asks what his malfunction is and wonders if his parents built a swing facing the wall. <laughs> he tells Savage that it is all Brett stirring the pot and he is coming, everyone including Conning. Oh, and he, <laughs> he's conning, you dirty bastard. <laughs> and he's conning everyone including Hogan and makes a Marion Berry comment, the man who bought crack in DC. How can he, we forget? He reminds him that Hart is not a and neither is Hogan, but Savage does not give a damn and stalks off. Yeah. Uh, Tony's with JJ Dillon and he feels like the lone spokesman for WCW and is about the two NWO factions fighting. Singer's still part of the WCW. Well, it's not really, is he? JJ is worried and he tells Sting he cannot make him a star in the movies. JJ knows he had a rough year last year, but they always stood by him and during his finest moment, Tony states that it was here, Starcade. No, they fucked it up, but it could have been. JJ wants to talk to come back to someone who can carry the WCW banner, and that is Sting. So JJ's putting all his eggs in the Sting basket. Well, a third limo has arrived. Here comes Hogan and the Giant with Bret Hart. Hogan flexes and talks about showing Steiner the ropes, and that is nothing. And that nothing turns him on more than his NWOites cheering him and knowing he rules the world. He saw that flamingo-legged, skinny-legged Nash with Luger challenge him and the Giant. He got a big smile on his face. Hogan is hot, thinking that Brett is being attacked and that he is not to be trusted. 
Hart responds, what does he need to do? He's shown that Hogan is the man and basically his hero and the greatest wrestler. Hart is going to beat up Old Man Piper and Savage. Hogan states that this he has the love for the NWO and that he and Brett are going to beat them down at the pay-per-view. Brand them black and white and own their soul. Hogan grabs Brett, who grins, and he cannot wait to see Brett tear off Piper and Savage limb from limb. And they pan away as Brett yells, Dig it! Well, I know Brett has problems with Macho Man, but he's really joining forces with Hogan as part of the NWO, going to help him out. Has he become an official member of Black and White? I don't think he has yet, but it's weird they're hanging around. Uh, but the useless one, Conan's in action next versus Lenny Lame. Lenny Lame. Lenny Lame. Well, Lame versus the useless one. The exchange arm holds and Lenny is taken down. Conan straddles him and allows himself to be rolled over. He returns a favour and then bulldogs him. Conan has his arm but he's sent into the corner and hit. And now he's bulldogged. So I'm just bored even doing this. Lenny shows off his abs. I can't say it. He takes him out of the bottom rope then poses for the crowd again. Conan comes back. Two. Two. And then takes him down for two more. Two. <laughs> then he trips him up and has the arm, cradles him for another two. Two. Conan comes back with a slam. He spikes him with a cradle DDT and thankfully it is over after the tequila sunrise. Uh, it was an okay match. Wasn't terrible. Wasn't anything to write home about. Well, here comes Rude with a gimpy Henning. Henning, tail, takes, and tells Shiva- Henning takes the mic to beat it. Rude has the mic and informs everyone that Kurt is challenging Goldberg at the pay-per-view. Rude is going over Kurt's accolades. Rude goes off about how pompous Goldberg is and his streak is weak. Kurt has a bad knee but will be better by the pay-per-view. Kurt wants Conan to come back out and he does. He has a proposition for Conan to take his place at the house shows against Goldberg. He asks Conan to take his place as Rude calls it WCW Conspiracy. Conan is willing and Kurt will be ready at the pay-per-view and is sick of Greenhorns coming in and trying trying his hand at his craft. He starts to call them names and Rude takes the mic away and tells Goldberg he will be done for. Well, I mean, that doesn't really get me excited. Rick Rude, Kurt Henning and Conan plotting the demise of uh, Goldberg there and especially calling him Green and kind of Mocking him in that way. He kind of needs to be protected at this point. You know, Goldberg is a badass. Well, aren't they supposed to be um, Wolfpack? Yeah. And aren't the Wolfpack supposed to be faces? Technically, yeah. Has anybody told Conan, Rude and Henning that? This is a problem with the mishmash of of booking and stuff. Is like you say, exactly. The Wolfpack should be good. And yet you're going against Goldberg. And it's like, well, what's going on here then? It's like they want... There's too too many cooks, you know. There's, There's too much going on. It's even with the Brett thing. And like you said, Macho now is definitely a face. But he's still doing the heady things. But anyway, up next it is the TV title on the line. It's Fit Finley going against Eddie Guerrero. So we're going to check in on Eddie. Of course, Chavo earlier losing. But Eddie's now looking to become TV champion. And Finley beat Booker T for the title. And Booker T and Benoit got the best of seven series going on at the moment. But I think this just proves kind of how good the roster was. In WSW, let has someone like Guerrero and Finley that could have a match. Even with all this kind of storyline shenanigans going on, you knew you'd get yourself a good bit of action. And Finley's fitted into the TV title well. What are your thoughts on the, the fittiest one? I think he's certainly a legend of the ring. You know, he's been around for a long, long time. And, you know, it's only recently he's kind of taken a step back. He's gone 
to more behind the scenes. He's a trainer, you know. So yeah, he definitely. Yeah, do you think he should be? Uh, he's uh, should be more, you know, more respected. Do you think he he is on the level of an Eddie Guerrero, or do, where would you class like in the in the class of Hall of Fame? Would he be a kind of main event Hall of Famer? Would he be like a middle? Where what rest would you say? Oh, that's a good comparison to him. I'd say like a Mark Henry. But a better wrestler. <laughs> but a better worker, you know. But again, Mark Henry has achieved more than... I wouldn't say he's achieved more. He's achieved higher status than Finlay, but he hasn't achieved more. Yeah, no, yeah, Finlay's um, kind of influenced a lot of people. You can see that British style with him and Regal kind of being the only uh, British wrestlers who could work well in like WCW at this time as well. So at least they had their um, their chance, you know. Like I said, with someone like Mark Henry, at least he became world champion. Of course, Eddie Guerrero as well. I mean, at this time, if you were to say that Eddie would go on to become champion, you'd probably doubt yourself here because he's definitely a kind of cruiserweight. This smaller out of the two as well. And the fans absolutely hate him at the moment. But then you'd look at Jericho and you'd say, sharp is he going to become the first... He's not going to beat The Rock and Austin after we've been watching them on the Raw episodes. He's not going to beat them both in the same night. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or Ray Mysterio, who we've seen as well. Yeah, champion. You know, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, but that was only because uh, one of the fellas in the ring died. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> we we don't know if um, it, it might have been a little bit different. Mysterio might have got there anyway. You know, same with... Uh, it's a shame with Eddie Guerrero, you know, you talk about kind of England. Uh, just point of Eddie that he never got a chance to have the WWE title again, to have the second reign, to have a better go at it. And it, the kind of sad thing as well, he was ready for that. You know, he wanted another shot at it. And the sad thing happened. about it is, is I'd love to have seen an Eddie Guerrero-Daniel Bryan feud. That would have been fucking awesome. I think that yeah. would have been amazing because, you know, they're both really strong workers and they're both, you know, really flamboyant in their characters. But... You know, Eddie would have had great feuds with Seth. Yep, yes. Yeah, AJ. Uh, AJ Styles match versus Eddie Guerrero would have been perfect. There's a lot of them. Finn Balor. Fit Finley against Finn Balor. Finn versus <laughs> Finn. Irish world title. Flipped off the turnbuckle there. Landed on his feet. But got caught with a back suplex. Well, there's so many dream matches when it comes to Eddie Guerrero. And that's how good he was in the ring. And even this character at this moment in time. Even though he's more high flying, he of the is two. still the last man to cleanly beat Brock fucking Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. For fuck's sake! But um, but someone to be so well liked, to be so hated as well. Like Guerrero had that, you know. It, even you could argue over someone like CM Punk, where the fans still cheered for him. And even at this kind of this era of of the faces getting booed and the hills getting cheered, with Guerrero he had that ability to make people not like him. He had all that kind of nasty side of him, all this kind of, when he was a heel, you didn't like him, and then it was, he, he could do that kind of lie, cheat and steal thing as well, of the character where it did make him more likeable. You know, there's it it's so many different levels for Eddie, or it could be straight out babyface, where he was loved by all, you know. So, not many people, and I think even Jericho has struggled with that in the past, to be kind of like, White meat baby face, you know, he has to have a kind of cockiness to him, doesn't he? You know, he can't. But that's all part and parcel with his character. You know, he can he can achieve being a face and a heel at the same time and not change much to his character. You know, there's very few that can do that. It's like, you know, The Undertaker himself has never been like, you know, a, 
a hilly hill, has it? Uh, a couple of times he has, but like you said, it's just too much respect in the end, and you always have to turn him down. That kind of, and then when he did take it too far in the Ministry of Darkness, it was then too far, and there was no way to bring him back from that. You know, after you sacrifice people, <laughs> you, you can't. But, and then they had to change to American Badass. But then, like, even as the American Badass, he was more of a Healy type. You know, he was after he, what he done to poor Daniel Pugh. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he then turned it round, didn't he? To respect, but no, again, was it Maven. Maven, but he, he did. Stayed Jr. He beat him up in his hometown. But like I said, that came back as well because he was like the all-American against the un-Americans. So he still turned face there. So it's very difficult to be able to either stay. You either good at heel or good at face. Like you're saying, it's, it's very difficult for a guy. To, to be able to do both and Guerrero especially when you consider he's in ring and what he could do there telling the story because at the moment him and Finley are having a great technical match here on Nitro it is move for move at this moment in time Eddie's taken now but he's got you know don't think Finley will out wrestle him he comes from um, the famous Guerrero's we all know about how they have wrestling ability and Chavo's out here and Chavo's not done anything, but yet the referee's rung the bell. Why is referee? Why would you do that? And Chavo wants Eddie to slap him. I have no idea. He scared Eddie Guerrero off, so I guess Finley gets the victory there. But what a weird ending. But this is WWE's problem. You've got two great wrestlers, you've got a match people want to see, and then you do a finish like that. And it just it, it, and the thing with WWE, there is no explaining of it. It's like you no. say about the hills and faces. It's like the matches here. What are the reasons behind it? There is no reason, you know? Well, anyway. Nitro Girls. Hey, Nitro Girls. And Jericho is in DC. He wants to get his title belt back. He walks up to the court steps and they show him leaving. He calls it a conspiracy as they did not listen to him. He goes up to some security guards and they tell him to leave. He does. He now claims he talked to Clarence Thomas Law Clerk who will Get back to him. He's telling the homeless crew. He has a sign that states conspiracy victim. He goes up to a gate and wants to see the chief. And he is told unequivocally to leave. He bounds up some steps and he's in the Library of Congress. And looking for a section of WCW belts in books. And looks like he's found something. Here he comes. He's in the ring and claims he has evidence. He wants JJ to come out and listen to what he has to say. He wants justice. And he knows how Clinton feels and demands to be reinstated as cruiserweight champ. Well, we all know Jericho did lose to Dean Malenko. I don't think it is conspiracy, but he's an accident against Juventud Guerrero. They lock up and Jericho puts him in a wrist lock, but is reversed and then reversed again. He picks up Hoover and slams him by the arm. Jericho runs him over after the whip. And after a leapfrog, he runs into a chop. Hoover is sent to the apron who yanks Jericho down by his hair. Hoover nails him with a seated centre from the top right, but he lands hard and is slow to recover. Jericho strikes with a spinning backbreaker for two. Two. Hoover saves up the bulldog as he climbed up Jericho and he only gets two. Two. He'll take it from there. He spikes Jericho with the Hoover driver and has to roll him into position. And this allows Jericho to crutch him and he goes up after Hoover. But Jericho is shoved off. Hoover leaps and is caught and pushed down onto the tamer. But Juve grabs the ropes and then lures Jericho to the floor where he strikes with a flying Hurricane Rana. Both men are slow to get up. Reese runs down and he chokes and runs in to pin him. Well, a couple of mass moves, but pretty solid. But still, Reese coming out from the flock. And the flock's got their own problems. And he's involved with feud with Juve uh, 2 Guerrero now. Well, up next, match seven. It's Booker T versus Chris Benoit. And Benoit won on Saturday night. 
too lazy to look it up now. Far too beyond right now. But he's up 2-1. So when we do get a chance, we will watch it at some point. They are showing highlights and they are no longer in Disney. Benoit missed a diamond headbutt and both are down. Benoit grabs him and pins him with a German suplex. They lock up and neither can get the advantage. Booker slams him on the second lock up and then batters him with a few forearms, dropping him with a shiver and he gets a two count. Two. Fit is watching and yelling about himself in the third person. Benoit is thrust into a corner but gets his elbow up and runs right into a power slam where Booker gets a two count. Two. Booker has him in an armbar. He side slams him, goes up top and kills him with a guillotine leg drop. Benoit rolls to the floor, but Booker is right behind him. He hits him then rolls him back into the ring. Benoit greets him with a kick and then stomps a hole in him. Benoit gives him a vicious chop, a headbutt and another stiff chop. Benoit drops him, but Booker hops up and spin kicks him in the jaw and he gets a two count. Two. Booker puts him in a rear chin lock. Benoit is up, but gets deflated with a shot to the head. Booker is slow to get up, but after the rope reversal, he gets another two count. Two. After a flying forearm and goes back to the rear chin lock. Benoit gets to his feet and counters with a nice German suplex and both men are down. Benoit is on the offensive and he gets a two count. Two. But Booker counters right back with an axe kick, but he's slow to cover. He has Benoit up and goes for a back suplex, but Benoit snatches him and finishes him with a cross face. Well, it was too short, but still solid. And Benoit goes 3-1 up now. Next match is Scotty Riggs versus DDP. And DDP has faded away as of late. Riggs mocks DDP, who just stares at Riggs, and he does so. DDP charges out the corner and shoves him down. Riggs is up and complains to the ref. Tries to hit DDP, who ducks and pounds Riggs in the corner, stomping him into the mat. No rib covering on DDP for the first time in two and a half years. DDP slams and the sick boy leaps in right into the fist and is tossed out. DDP gut, bus, gut busts Riggs and motions for the cutter. He picks him up and hits a diamond cutter. A surprising squash, but he comes back with a bang. See what he did there? Sick boy grabs him from behind and he too eats the cutter. And we're on to match nine and it is Le Parker versus Goldberg who is the champion for his WCW title, US title. Well, you can hear the chants of Goldberg, the undefeated one. Le Parker stands on the chair. Not anymore. He's got the chair in his hand. And Goldberg saying he wants it. Unprotected chair shot. Le Parker little dance. Bang, and he gets speared out of his boots. Well, DC's up on their feet, and Le Parker's already down. And match seconds, what's happening? Well, he jacks him up and hammers him down. One, two, three. Didn't the bell already ring for disqualification, though? No, no, no. He let it go. He let Goldberg take the chair to the face. He is 94 and 0 now. Very impressive by old Gilberg. <laughs> Who could see why you were such a fan of Goldberg back in the day? He's so impressive right now, you know. Well, anyway, it's main event time. If you can call it a main event. And it's Giant and Hollywood Hogan versus Kevin Nash and Lex Luger. Lex and Hogan start off. Hogan taunts Nash a bit, who taps Hulk on the head. Hogan tears off his shirt and flexes at Luger, who rubs his pits with the shirt after it being tossed at him. Nash wipes his ass with it. Hulk is not happy. They fight shoves him down with ease. Seriously? Lex misses Hulk by a mile on the shoulder tackle, but Hulk sells it anyway. 
Lex hits him a couple of times but gets his eye poked. Now Hogan is in command and he hits him a few times. Lex has the arm and tags in Nash. Hogan escapes and turns towards the giant. He teases a tag. Nash does not want him to tag and Hogan obliges. Hogan knees him in the gut. Uh, Nash knees him in the gut and now it's Nash offence time in the corner. He sandwiches him in the corner and Hogan reverses it and sandwiches him in the corner. Hogan makes a tag and Nash escapes the hold and now he circles around with the giant before they finally lock up. Nash hits him and hammers him in the corner. Nash is sent to the corner after the reversal and Nash is dropped with the big boot and now a headbutt. Giant headbutt but misses the big elbow drop. Luger is tagged in and Giant begs off. Lex kicks him and now punches him over and over, rocking the Giant. He's sent into the corner and the Giant explodes out with a lariat. Hang on. So Giant's just hit that lariat in the corner. Luger's down. And now Hogan gets to tag in. And even a giant John in the NWO makes no sense whatsoever either. After he was booted out for Kevin Nash. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, well, okay, whatever. And they got Luger in the corner, so this is Wolfpack versus NWO. And Nash now takes down Hogan. And now Nash and the giant squaring off. Nash greets the giant with a big boot and starts punching him in the corner. And Hogan's take the belt off the disciple. Hits Nash over the back with it. Disqualification. Oh, what? Are you telling me <laughs> an NWO match ended in disqualification? Nah. Yeah, um, um, I know you can't believe it. Charles Robson, oh. There was no need for Robson to take a bump out of the ring there. And now Hogan choking Nash. Is anybody going to come and help? Well, is anyone going to help the NWO? This, uh, the Wolfpack that's getting beaten down? Wow, we get to camera shot of the rafters and the sting is slowly lowering. <laughs> you say slowly... That was an understatement. Yeah, he's going to get in. Ooh. There you go. He's finally made it. But what is he? Is he WCW? Is he NWO black and white? Is he red and black? Has he joined EC? What's going on? He's got the jacket on. And um, his jacket. Oh. Oh, he's no. He's black and white. And the booze in the stand. And unfortunately not. That is real sting. Hugging with Hogan. We never thought we'd see this. Short arm clothesline takes down Hogan. Giant turns round. He gets slammed by Sting. And now Sting's got the NWO t-shirt. Oh, he's finding it difficult. He's got Wolfpack underneath. No. Don't tell me he's going to rip the Wolfpack shirt off and he's got <laughs> WCW underneath. He's Wolfpack and the fans happy about that. Didn't we see something like this before though? We did. We saw it last week. Yeah. And Sting didn't make a decision he has now. Luger jumping with Sting. He's made his choice. Well, the NWO not happy, but Wolfpack, Henning and all, with crutches coming out here. Well, where the fuck were they when they was getting beaten down? <laughs> where was Conan? Where was Macho Man? Where was Henning? Well, that is an excellent point. But fake Sting's in the NWO, but real Sting's in the Wolfpack. And Tony Schiavone says the Wolfpack are the strongest force in professional wrestling. My God, what a nitro that was. Dan, what are your thoughts on the Wolfpack? It's, they are really a bit mishmash. I mean, you know, Henning and Rude, I think they're a hill team. They work well as a hill team. They shouldn't have joined the Wolfpack. Macho Man, I think he's a crazy enigma. He doesn't need a, a stable to be in. He can be on his own and still be just as fucking batshit crazy. 
Um, you know, I was I was a fan of the Wolfpack. I was, I'm, I'm a fan of the Wolfpack. You know, I enjoyed what they brought to yeah. it. That was probably one of the best offshoots of the NWO that they actually have. They've had. Have had. Yeah, have had. Uh, I think it's important the crowd reaction. They're positive to it. You know, like I said, the NWO been going now for a couple of years and they've changed it a little bit. Is a hope, but with the old the black and white still being around, it's still all about Hogan, you know, focus on that as opposed to the other people. But we'll move on. The next episode, Nitro, is episode 143, June 8th. And Michael Buffer is starting the show, trying to get the crowd fired up. Hogan comes out with Dennis Rodman in tow. Well, Eric Bischoff is there too, and he feels the love as he introduces Hogan and Rodzilla. Hogan states that he is the man and as he has the belt. He dares anyone for WCW, double dares the Wolfpack and triple dog dares Piper in his skirt and then that wimp Savage to come out and try anything. Hogan loved how Rodman tossed Malone around. And he just states hey over and over and some more. And he wants to talk but waves the mic around. He tells the crowd that this is his home and he won his first title here so they have to love him. He keeps saying that right over and over and EB screams he just needs to tell the fans to bite him. Hogan yells there's no stopping NWO Hollywood as he has Dennis Rodman, the disciple and the man with the brains and Ted's money. They all need to jump back across the tracks as the NWO is f- interesting. Well, Tanae asked fans in line before the show about Sting and the NWO, and they love it and want DDP to join too. So everybody they love from WWE is just like, yeah, just join yeah, the Wolfpack. put wolf Goldberg pack. in the <laughs> Wolfpack. Yeah, fuck it. Put well, Jericho in there. Here comes the Wolfpack and Nash, and they talk about Detroit and could all, all night and could talk all night about some business to attend to. He congratulates Luger for doing a good job recruiting, and he has something to say to DDP. About five years ago, he was about to walk out of the business because he was not getting a break. DDP helped him out, and he has a choice to make tonight, and the vote was almost, almost unanimous. Almas. But there is a home in the Wolfpack for him. Two years ago, he DC'd Hall instead of joining the Black and White, and in retrospect, that was a smart, smart move. But how can he now turn being part of the Dream Team as the Wolfpack is where it's at, and he'll make the right decision? He now turns who interrupts with a hey yo and tells Nash he's lying and needs to pack his bags and leave. Nash's mic is cut. He and Rod with Brett are at control uh, control stage and Hogan states that they are where it's at. Rod unleashes some pyro and Hogan makes fun of their rap and then turns off the lights and that is exactly how Hogan likes to see them. Not at all. Hasn't we seen all this as well before? He has Rod turn the lights back on Hogan calls himself the man and the pecking order has been decided and they are taking over the world. Hogan tells Rod to do a commercial in order to have people buy something. Well, Conan is all fired up and tells JJ to do something about it. JJ is trying to but declares it's his problem and Conan agrees and states the Wolfpack will indeed do something about it. Well, we go swiftly on to our first match and that is Jerry Flynn versus Yugi Nagata. Damn, that was one long intro. And a half hour in, and we're getting to the first match. But at least the promos were solid. Well, Flynn starts off with a few kicks to the gut, but Yuji fires back, only to be superplexed. Flynn follows up with a clothesline, and Flynn goes over the ankle, but Yuji grabs the ropes. 
They go back and forth for a bit as the fans get restless and Flynn spikes, Flynn spikes him with a DDT and he keeps after him with more kicks. Usually breaker, but it's put in a cross arm breaker, but usually gets the ropes again. Flynn goes after Ono and is grabbed and destroyed by a German suplex and then put into some sort of leg breaker and he taps. It's actually not too bad. Shivoni calls out Jericho who claims to have a letter from Ted Turner who praises him and Jane says hi too. He enjoys fishing in Canada too. The circumstances at the pay-per-view were not by the book, therefore Malenko should not be the champion. However, your incessant whining sickens me so Dean will remain the champ. Your insignificant loophole will be forgotten, like your wrestling career. (laughs) Yeah, right. And Jericho acts like he is crying as he reads it and uses a letter to wipe tears. (laughs) So that was just great acting. By Jericho. Next match, Reese and Horace versus Hoover to Guerrero and Hammer. Horace tags in Reese and Hoover hits him with a seated senton and with help by Hammer, this takes him down. The hills retreat to the floor and Hoover leaps on top of them and is caught but Hammer leaps too and they all go down. Hammer and Horace are in the ring and Hammer is taken down via a fireman's carry. Horace works over the arm but Hammer takes it down and slams him. Hoover gets a tag and he springboards on top of him, runs over and pops Reese. He goes back to Horace, pounds him in the corner until he's clotheslined. Horace slams him and he gets a two count. Two. Hoover reaches for Hammer, but cannot get there, but Yorkley rolls up Horace for another two count. Two. But gets flattered by a lariat. Horace cannot get uh Horace slams him, drops a leg and puts him in the rear chin lock. Hoover finally gets him some offence, takes down Horace, gets another two. Two. And makes a tag. Hammer takes on both Reese and Horace and it takes him some time, but it finally gets Reese down with a flying clothesline. Horace and Hammer are brawling on the floor as Reese choke slams Hoovy and finishes him off. Not bad for a mid-card match that will probably not go anywhere. And Hoovy, who lost his mask, has now been beaten by the bigger man. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodman and Hogan are with a bunch of ladies and they are partying. Rodman is rubbing a girl. Hogan is not happy about having to pay Nash's fines from the powerbomb and he will collect. Hogan tells the girl to be quiet and talks about a lawsuit. Bischoff says something about Nash being a second name in Hollywood and that he made his bed and he will be sleeping in it. Hogan and Rosilla giggle and Hogan declares his worth missing pr- this and Hogan declares this is worth missing practice over. Classic. Yes, the basketball uh, practice to be in Nitro. It's quite a big story at the time. We don't care about it now, but still. Shivani is with JJ Dillon. He discusses the Thunder match and the unfortunate circumstances surrounding it. The titles are not on the line. The winner of the match at the pay-per-view between Sting and Giant can choose their partner and will be tag champions. Not complicated at all, is it? So who are tag team champions? It's Sting and the Giant, but they'll face each other in a singles match. Or a tag match. They'll face each other in a singles match, and whoever wins the singles match will get to choose their partner, and they'll be tag matches, tag team champs. Yeah. So the tag matches will be decided in a singles match. Yeah, basically. Cool. Move on to match three. It is Scott Patsky versus Eddie Guerrero. Eddie is tossed around and suplexed. Eddie, Eddie though, comes back and takes down Patsky. He chops him in the corner a few times. He snaps him over and low kicks him in the back, getting two. Two. He puts him in an abdominal stretch, made famous by Wilbur Schneider, I've once heard. Eddie gets his head absolutely smashed with a German suplex. Scott crawls over and gets two. two. Eddie then shoves him headfirst into the corner, nails him with a slingshot headbutt. Scott reverses a whip and then kind of powerbomb slash spinebusts him. 
He launches him straight up and down goes Eddie. And then he's gorilla slammed and he tries again, but Eddie floats behind and he puts him in a sleeper. Scott breaks a hold, but he's drop kicked in the back of the knees and now works them over. Chavo comes down and Eddie skedaddles and now Chavo and Scott are jawing and Chavo sucker punches him and Eddie continues to back off. So is Eddie scared of Chavo? Do you think he's scared of the monster that he created? It looks that way, doesn't it? You know, that's two victories, uh, two matches now the past two weeks. Eddie's run away from Chavo. But not a bad match. Uh, back and Nash is acting gangster. And actually talking about uh, Skeezer and Dom. That's Perignon. If Hogan needs the money so badly, he will cut my check for his shirt sold. Sorry, um, so what is Skeezer then? He mocks his bra about wanting his money and about how Hogan is obsessed with his skinny legs, but something else is not skinny. His penis. Mark Tardis. He and Conan giggle like girls. Bischoff and the Giant are in the crowd with the ladies, and Bischoff is rambling about being near his hometown and partying. He states that the Giant has not ate for four days and is ready. Giant is whining about Sting again, but does proclaim that the, <coughs> the Giant is whining about Sting again, but does proclaim that he is upset that he's going to squash him like a gnat, pulling his limbs apart. Tony calls out Conan and out comes Rude. Rude yells at Goldberg's fierce defeat, and while he's been a steamroller up till now, the three of them refuse to be part of the pavement. They will do whatever it takes, force him to run out the gas, etc. Kurt is upset about his injury and claims that while Goldberg is good, he is no Kurt Henning and may not be this pay-per-view, but it will be the next blemish on his record. Conan states he will defeat him and bring the belt back to the Wolfpack. The Goldberg chants went on throughout. Were they piped in through speakers? Hmm. Piper. At that time, WSW were accused of uh, putting the Goldberg chants through the sound system. So we don't really know if he was that popular or not. But again, it's WSW. If people are chanting that, why fuck around with it and, and do that and make people not chant for? Why don't you just leave it alone? Indeed. But, you know, they're, they're famous for fudging things, aren't they? They're big fudges, aren't they? The mother fudges. But we're on to match three, and it is Booker T versus Chris Benoit. They push each other as they size one another up. Booker grabs him and face plants him, but is grabbed and put in a hammerlock. Booker struggles to his feet, misses the sidekick, and both size one another up again. They lock up and switch round, and Booker has him in a hammerlock. Benoit tries to hammer free, but is picked up and dropped. Benoit backs into the corner to keep Booker at bay. Benoit kicks him, and it is a test of strength time, and Booker pushes him down, but Benoit, but this time, the sidekick connects. Benoit retreats to the floor, gets back in the ring and is run over and nearly pinned. Booker has the arm, kicks him and hits a great suplex, getting another two count. Two. Still has the arm off the whip, Benoit ducks down and grabs the ropes and Booker bounces off them. Benoit stomps on him, drops him with a knee lift, Benoit suplexes him and Booker falls to the floor. He gets back in, is run over and Benoit, he gets back in, he's run Gets back in, he's run over, and Benoit gets a two count. Two. He follows up with a snap suplex for another two count. Two. Benoit pounds him into the corner and takes him down and gets two more. Two. Benoit gets yet another two count. Two. After a backbreaker, Benoit gets up top and hits a headbutt. Two. <laughs> oh, sorry. He's hurting two and two. runs away, <laughs> and here comes Stevie Ray as Benoit beats on Booker some more with some stumps. Ray is yelling at Booker to get up Benoit back. 
Ray grabs and yells at Booker. Benoit goes out, rolls him back, and the fight and the fight and they fight off on one another. But Benoit hits a German and gets a near fall. Booker takes him down and it's spinebuster time. Booker pancakes him and then spins to his feet, but he's thrust into the corner and stomped on some more. Benoit pulls him up and kicks him and stomps him and just beats the shit out of him. Booker floats over, rolls him up and gets the win. Hey, so Booker an awesome match and he goes free. He, second victory, so it's 3-2 now in best of seven series. Benoit is pissed and goes after him. Ray throws him down and checks on Booker. But why has Steve Ray come out after all this time now as well? You know, that's still, I know they're taking partners, but they've been doing nothing the past couple of months. Well, Brett's looking uncomfortable and he's with Hogan on a couch. <laughs> Don't blame him. Hogan is acting like Savage. Gets beaten up Liz. And then makes fun of Conan, telling him not to drop the bar of soap. <laughs> Get it? Brett is sipping on some beer and giggling at Hogan's jokes. Hogan is hyping up the match at the pay-per-view and how it was a mistake for Savage joining Piper and then leaving the NWO. What Hogan giveth, he can taketh away. Liz comes in and kisses both Brett and Hogan. And Hogan tells Savage that he used to stick it to her, but now he's running wild on her. So Hogan is sticking it to Liz, that dirty bastard. Uh, match 4 is Fit Finley versus Norman Spiney for the WWE TV title. Match 4, Fit Finley, who's the title holder, versus Norman Smiley for the WCW TV title. Fit has him in a side headlock and squeezes the head and Norman punches free, but he's kicked. Norman drops him with a drop kick and has the arm. They go back and forth exchanging holds until Fit drives his forearm into the face in an STF. Norman gets up, knocked down, and then his face is slammed into the side of the ring. He tosses him to the floor, goes out after him, but Norman gets in some moves until his eyes are poked. They are back in the ring. And the fans are doing the fucking wave. Fit has him in an arm hold. Norman pounds him into the corner, twists the arm, but he's sent to the corner where Norman runs into a boot. But he's back. But he backdrops a charging axe into the ropes and he's pulled out by the legs. Fit, though, grabs him and finishes him with a tombstone. That's another solid match. Shivani's in the ring and Sting is coming out. He goes, hello boys, I thought it's time. <laughs> he tells him that they've not spoken in some time and the giant has spoken earlier. Sting gives the giant woo and says that is an official Wolfpack welcome. He doesn't want the giant's big mouth that run a check that his big fat uh, booty, after a dramatic pause, can cash. Sting goes over his career and he makes fun of the giant and tells him he's out of shape and needs to stop it. No, you, no, stop, you stop it. it. With the girls and smoking. Sting has been around long enough to be cocky and he owns the giant. He thanks Tony and is done. So a very babyface promo there from Sting. Now it is Piper time. Tony asks about Brett and Hogan who are sitting in a luxury box, not Liz's. Piper hypes up the Red Wing but Barry Sanders too. I think this was his, this, I think this is his last year too. He makes a Red Wings reference again, a Red Wings reference again, and that is how Hart and Hogan will feel afterwards. Now to Rodman, and he wants him to take the plate off as there's no green-haired Scotsman. He also burns his girlfriends with cigars and asks if he has gotten some mail yet. He talks about how nuts Savage is, and here he comes. I wonder if it's going to be Jekyll or Hyde, Savage grins. Piper does not know why he has to fight a tag match and then Savage, but that is the way it will be. Savage responds that he does not really know him and Piper agrees that no one knows him. 
Savage is not having a great day and he is not a mark and buying that Piper is his friend. Yeah. Piper will team with him and winning the match, but after that, Savage's ass is his. He makes some rhyme about Baltimore where the pay-per-view is and Savage counters that seeing they are in Motown, they should just do it tonight. No, got you. Hogan starts yelling, Girls! 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 As he cannot handle a cat fight with a couple of sissies tonight. Hogan is where it's at. And he giveth and he taketh away. He's already said that. Hogan is happy that Bischoff made all this happen. And he is the guiding light. Hogan gives us Liz. She comes up smirking. No, James. She hasn't got a cigarette in her gulf. She's just got a cock in it. <laughs> and sits in EB's lap. And they awkwardly make out. Oh, for fuck's sake. I mean, that looked really gross. I mean, I threw up my mouth a little bit. I am jealous, though, because I wouldn't mind getting off with Bischoff. Savage has the mic, and he's going to tell him something, and Hogan interrupts, calling him Mr. Viagra, and that he cannot get the job done. Savage got over, Savage got over Liz a long time ago. He will never get over Hogan, and he's damn sure not over Piper, and belts him. Hogan and the company laugh their asses off. Piper is up, and he clocks Savage. Savage has a chair, and they fade to commercial. So Savage and Piper are fighting, and yet Hogan's the kind of guy Minnesota Liz is there. I'm sure this happened a month or two ago as well. <laughs> I'm sure they had a tag match, and then they fought each other afterwards. They did, they did. I mean, I really don't so know. Why? <sighs> it's history repeating. Uh, up next is Disco Inferno versus Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title. Well, Dean looks like he's on a mission coming down. He stomps a hole in Disco, takes him down again and goes for his finisher, but Disco gets the ropes. More and popped in the jaw too. Disco is whipped into the corner, hits the boot though, and he drops Dean, and fuck, that was a close call. Dean just gets the arm up. Disco slams him, drops the elbow for two, two. and hits an inverted atomic drop. But Disco is grabbed and he cannot escape and put in the cloverleaf and he taps. Nice squash for Dean. Hogan is back with the ladies again. He is surprised his power comes in a lot of forms. He made never wants to become a wrestler now and he's going to body slam Hollywood. They go to a black and white video and he's with Scotty Steiner. He's introducing him to Hollywood. At least Carl Weathers is there and he played Apollo Creed, don't forget. Back to Hogan and the ladies and he opens the door for his friends. Jesus this is long, and Steiner comes in, and he and Hogan profess their love for each other. So that's nice. Scotty Steiner and Hogan in love. Well, our next match, match seven, is Chavo Guerrero challenging Goldberg for the WCW US title. I tell you what, there's not more intimidating presence coming out than Bill Goldberg. Luke becomes an O here, and he, unfortunately, I say Chavo Guerrero. He's got a big task ahead of him because uh, he might have changed a little bit, but he's going to go against Goldberg. And he's starting off strong, jumps into Goldberg. Goldberg just catches him, throws him away. So I guess we know who's going to be stronger in this match. Certainly not Chavo. No, Chavo there, try to... And the pump handle slam, just thrown... Nearly hits the other turnbuckle now. Fans loving it. Got Goldberg t-shirts on. Well, fans are throwing tennis balls into the ring, aren't they? A knee to the midsection. Gorilla press for Goldberg. And look how easy it is for Goldberg to keep Chavo Guerrero up. Bang. You've got to love to do a power slam. And he's teeing up for the spear. Fans are absolutely loving it. They do. And Goldberg, US champion. Chavo saying, no, think it'll be right. Let me catch my breath. 
Bang. Well, Goldberg just drove the breath out of him with that devastating spear. Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero stood at the top of the ramp just laughing away. He's cheering on Goldberg. As he jacks him up, spins him round, slam, hammers him down, two, three. And no one is kicking out of that. Uh, Goldberg, impressive, explosive. Nearly broke his fucking neck there. His neck. <laughs> He's tripped on Charvo. But Goldberg is ready for action. It is 2-0 to Belgium. Hey. 99-0. and 0. Well, I know Charvo needed to lose, but come on, give him some offence. Christ, they gave Barry Darso a lot of offence against Goldberg. Well, James, it is Wolfpack time. They are all in the ring. Nash has the mic and he knows DDP is going to make the right decision. He holds up a red and black shirt. And here he comes. He's at the top of the ramp and Tony is there and he wants to know what DDP's response is. DDP is happy that Nash got off the Black and White Express as it reminded him of the old times on the road. He is happy for him to take Conan with him. Also, with Savage and Henning, four of the best. Lex and Sting were surprising and this he cannot believe that he's going to make this decision. Hogan and Rodman blindside him from behind with a chair they blast the hell out of him before being chased off. Belatedly, Wolfpack checks on DDP as we fade. Yeah, so DDP was going to make a decision. Another cheap shot by NWO Hollywood. And, and Wolfpack taking the time to come out. And with Sting, though, he's got different face paint. The red face paint and the red look of the Wolfpack. What did you think of Wolfpack Sting's look versus normal Sting's look? Yeah, you know, if you crow-like. You prefer the red one? I prefer the red yeah. one, yeah. Well, anyway, so the... Uh, pretty good show they called so many so-called pundits who claimed WSW was on the decline here it has its ups and downs but it's not happened yet sure there's some issues booking problems and so on like with the nwo and other people however they responded to the challenger to the wwf yes rick flair should not be sued but he did miss bookings giant and brett and sting should not have turned so quick but brett is getting more airtime and sting is still great and had an awesome promo so i think there's there's a you know, bits and pieces there that we can be happy with. Uh, but we do move now, June 14th, 1998, and it's WSW pay-per-view. And it's a great American bash. So here we go. In the first match of the uh, pay-per-view, which was held Baltimore, Maryland, was the last match in the Best of Seven series, Booker T versus Chris Benoit. And we're going to watch this match, and we'll go through the pay-per-view results as well. But we should say this is Best of Seven. And, uh, well... The history, match one on WWE Nitro, Benoit defeated Booker T, and that was in Evansville, Indiana. Match two, it was on WCW Thunder. Booker T defeated Chris Benoit to make it 1-0 at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. In match three, WCW Saturday night, Benoit defeated Booker T at the Portland Civic Center in Portland, Maine to make it 2-1. Two. WCW Nitro, Chris Benoit defeated Booker T to make it 2-2 at the MCI Centre in Washington, District of Columbia. Match 5, Booker T defeated Chris Benoit in uh, Illinois to make it 3-2. What? Yeah, that's not right, is it? The no. Benoit, your one, Benoit beats Booker, makes it 3-1. All right, my one, yeah. Chris Benoit defeated Booker T 3-1 at the MCI Centre in Washington, District of Columbia. Match 5, WWE Thunder, Booker T defeated Benoit in Illinois to make it 3-2. 
And WCW Nitro, Booker T defeats Chris Benoit to make it 3-3 at the Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit, Michigan. So we're going to watch this with a Colonel Elbow tie-up to start from both men. When they know each other so well now, and uh, neither man can get the advantage, Booker goes to the outside to maybe slow this down. But I do like the Great American Bash as a pay-per-view. I, I like the... Um, not as you talk about the setting, we talk about the way it looks as well. The logo is pretty cool. It's pretty bright, and I like what they did with the stage as well, kind of making it all American, you know, with the flags and everything like that. I think it's quite a good setup, something maybe WWE didn't have, and then they, of course, used it, didn't they, later on to have the bash events and to kind of celebrate America. And back to this one, Benoit now got a back arm lock on Booker, but Booker reverses through. Booker now with a takedown. So the rest of the card then, this was the match that started it all off. Uh, then we had Canyon. He defeated Perry Saturn. And that was nearly 15 minutes long. That was impressive. Oh, referee's trying to count down, but no one's getting advantage yet. We see how close this is. 3-3. Free, free. And the amount of matches they had beforehand as well for the TV title, Ben was unsuccessful with. Both fans really popular. Both men really popular with the fans as well. And now Booker with a back elbow knocking Benoit down. Well, Chris Jericho defeated Dean Malenko, but by disqualification. Yeah. So the WCW Cruiserweight Championship is still vacant. Yeah, it is. Uh, Hoovy finally got some revenge on Reese and the rest of the flock by defeating him in a singles match. Chavo Guerrero defeated Eddie Guerrero in a singles match. Yeah. Uh, Goldberg defeated Conan with Rick Rude and Kurt Henning for the US title. Oh, right, I see why you're missing that mm-hmm. one out. Hollywood Hogan and Bret Hart with the Disciple defeated Roddy Piper and Randy Savage by submission. And then afterwards, Piper challenged uh, Macho and he beat him by submission in just a minute 37. And then for the last match, Sting defeated the Giant in a singles match for control of the WCW World Tag Team Championship. So Sting is the tag team champion. Yeah, so you can decide now who his partner is. So a bit of a weird pay-per-view. It's kind of a B pay-per-view, isn't it? It's not really a massive main event to this. Like, the tag team titles on the line, a singles match, and another tag team match. Uh, I think the the thing to most look for in this one would be the Jericho Malenko, which is still interested. No decision yet in the Cruiserweight. And, of course, Benoit versus Booker T now. Of course, the winner of this is going to face Fit Finley for the TV title later tonight as well. And Benoit now has taken over on Booker T, chopping it back in the corner there. Knife edge chops, and Benoit, of course, ruthless aggression. Toothless aggression. But I feel that the feud between Booker and Benoit has been really good. What are your thoughts on it? It has been interesting, yeah. I'd like to see him move on from something after this, though. It would be... Um, I think that would be the best bet for both of these guys. You know, there's, there's only so many matches that they can have. I know it's been good, but, you know, it's... I think it's time to move on, maybe come back together again at a later point in time. Well, I feel St. WWE doesn't do uh, as much anymore... And I think this made sense in WCW. If Booked and Benoit are not considered kind of main eventers and they're just the kind of, you know, mid-carders at the moment, then have them involved in a feud like this. And it gives them meaning, you know. And then the victories and defeats actually mean something as well. And it's only for the TV title, but even a number one contendership for that has kind of made it bigger maybe than other championships in WCW at the time. And they've got a few they can focus on each other. You know, it's like... In WWE, they have like Bray Wyatt or Balor, that feud never-ending for no reason. At least for this, it's wanting to prove who's the better man and for a championship. And like I say, they should move on. And then if someone is successful with a title, then a rematch a couple of months down the road would make sense, you know? And they'd be like, this is how close we came there. 
I think it's been really good for WCW, and especially two men of least talent. You know, you could argue Benoit is the better wrestler. Looking back 20 years, Booker is definitely standing his ground, isn't he, you know? Most definitely, yeah. And um, just a different question. Who defends their title less, Lesnar or Hogan? Uh, probably Lesnar still, yeah. I mean, Hogan can take his sweet-ass time to do what he does. I mean... He hasn't defended, I don't think, his title in a very long time. And, and even with pay-per-views, he doesn't really show up on most of them. You know, it's kind of weird that he's in tag team action. But it's even like the tag team titles. Like, when have, when will they ever defended or when's the last time we've had proper tag team matches? It's all single matches, isn't it? Featuring the same... Yeah, it's y- it's all revolved around the mid-card titles. It's the thing, and the yeah, US title now is wrapped up with Goldberg. And this is kind of the only one that changes hands and with a Finley kind of surprise victory. Even the Cruiserweight title is vacant at the moment. So there's kind of weird surroundings with the gold. They've got the talent, but you kind of, the championships need to mean something as well. And this is something that happened with the WWE title, I think, down the road. And even now, the kind of disrespecting of it, it kind of loses its um, luster, doesn't it, you know? And Benoit Snapmares Booker down, get him in a sleeper. But Booker now trying to fight to his feet. Fans trying to get Booker to raise the roof. Now hits Benoit in the midsection. Oh. I say get some separation, but it caught with a knee. Left away from Booker T. I think Benoit's just working over that midsection of Booker. Well, they're both beating each other three times, so they've both got ways of doing it. We see Benoit's beating him with a pinfall and a cross face, and Booker's had his own victory, so they have got different weapons that they can use. So Stevie Ray just got involved the one time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder if he'll get involved tonight looking on for his brother. It seems a bit weird that now he finally cares. Benoit Irish whip takes him down. Benoit's got the four horsemen on his uh, trunks. Of course, we've not seen Ric Flair because he's been sued by WSW at this time. So the horsemen kind of don't exist right now. It's not been about... Thank God we've not seen any of Mongo recently. Oh, no, you're missing him. No, small mercies. Oh, but talking of Ric Flair, Benoit with a Ric Flair-like knife edge chopped to the chest of Booker. And now again, Benoit going for submission. Booker back to his feet now, getting out of submission. Benoit tried to hit the knee, but Booker was smart to it. It's a power slam. Now he's finally getting some separation. And the fans getting behind him as well. Yeah, but he has been worn down throughout the majority of this match. Well, it's been a great game plan by Booker, uh, by Benoit, but he can't let Booker get any momentum. Oh, Booker with a spinning cross body. Benoit sidesteps it. And that's Booker's momentum stopped. Oh, Benoit going to go for the cross. But Booker smart with it, manages to block it, gets to the bottom rope. Snapmare takedown and back into that. Reverse or rear chin lock. Yeah, for the third time. Benoit knows he's getting the job down. He's open next time round. It's going to take all the energy out of Booker. Goes for that cross face. It'll be easy to get in. <clears throat> Booker getting out of it again. Benoit going for the leg. Booker catches him though. Well, Benoit was with a kick of his own. Booker catches that and uh, step up into Guri. Floors Benoit. Booker trying to get back into this Irish whip. Oh, devastating spine buster. Caught Benoit's head flopped back to the mat there. Concussions. Concussions. And now Booker 
Going to try and get advantage. First time Benoit's not had any offence in about 30 seconds. Irish whip attempt. One man flapjack. Uh, hey, there's a spin of Rooney. <coughs> Lookers looking to go up top. Maybe look for that missile drop kick and Benoit knows this. That's how close these two men have got, even when they're fighting. They know each other so well. Benoit crotches Booker on that top right. CB superplex. Oh, takes him over, but Benoit flips or bounces over to land on his front. You got to like the way Benoit does sell and the way he bounces around. Like, I know he killed his wife and kid. Like, we've talked about this in the past, but well, I've always been the one defending him in the mm. ring. I'm sorry for me to have a problem with him because he's killed his wife. Well, perhaps if she made better bacon sandwiches, he wouldn't have had to kill her. Benoit going for the cover. Book imagine the kick out. Ah, that was very close. Benoit just takes his time. He's beaten forward a German. He's looking for the hat trick of Germans. Two. Three comes next. Oh no, Booker blocking it now. Elbows. Switches round. Benoit cut loose. Oh my god. I hit the Tiger suplex, but Booker somehow kicking out. Uh. I think Booker landed right on his neck there. And another chop just rattling Booker's body. Woo! You gotta think how much he's got left. Tries to duck out of the way, but Benoit scouted it. Catch him with another knife edge chop. Short arm clothesline. Uh oh. And just call Booker T Nancy because he's going to end it all. No, he's going up now. Diving headbutt. Hits its mark. But the damage Benoit has done to himself to hurt Booker. Can he capitalise on it? Well, both men are down. Booker T's kind of on his side, so he's not really in a prone pinning position. Benoit goes into the cover. Oh, but Booker T manages, managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. T. Ooh. Benoit goes for suplex. Booker rolls him up. Oh. Benoit managing to kick out. Ah. Benoit, Booker reverses. Benoit hits turnbuckle. Scissor kick to the back of the head. Oh! One to the front. Booker T's going up top. Benoit somehow getting to his feet, but Booker... Missile drop kick, hits the mark, rolls into a cover. Two, three. Oh, Benoit. <clears throat> oh, Booker gets a win there. Wow, what a match that was. Dan, what are your thoughts? That was a very good match. It's good to see two wrestlers that really know each other inside and out having a great match. And this is just, you know, just goes to show what what you can do when you've got chemistry. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. It worked well between each two, didn't it? You know, you could see the chemistry there. And Booker does get a victory. And Booker went on and did become television champion. He beat Fit Finley later on the card. So we've got a new TV champion in Booker T. The pay-per-view buy rate was 0.75, so about 273,000 homes bought that pay-per-view. But we move on, it's June 15th, the next episode of Nitro is episode 144. Well, after a night of pay-per-view, I am really getting sick of the same old bullshit. Hogan and Piper can barely move. Let's fight at Starcade 96, while not good, still had that big-time feel. 
but each successive match has sucked. Savage, sad to stay, has lost a, lost a step or four in the ring. He can still go, and his knee is bad. And what can you do with Hogan? They have to mix up the main event, get Brett involved more, bring back Flair, use Booker T and Benoit and DDP. Sting can wrestle, but Lex and Nash cannot. Also, the giant is getting fat and can barely move. I'm still unclear as to why he was smoking. Just lame. If I was a mid-carder in WCW, I would be all right. But then again, I would take my big fat paycheck and just do my thing. Well, they are starting off right. A brawl between Public Enemy and the Barbarian and Hugh Morris. Well, PE using garbage cans with Venom and Grunge is blasting Morris with a cake pan. But Morris gives it right back to him. Barbarian slams Rock headfirst into the garbage can and then runs into it. Rock gets powerbombed right through the trash can. The fans are loving it as Rock is just getting annihilated. Grunge is too. PE make a comeback and knock them to the floor. The heels set up the tables but get plastered with some cake pans and lids. Grunge nuts Morris but Barbarian headbutts Rocco there too. Rocco gets hit in the face as Grunge's half floor. Rock does not do a great job selling the bulldog and gets up as Jimmy hits him in the head and he turns up and suplexes Jimmy right into the ring. Grunge falls in suplexing Bowen into the ring. Fails. Grunge fails in suplexing Barbarian into the ring and then he uses Rock as a catapult and leaps into Barbarian but he's held and then Grunge leaps into him and they all fall into the table. What are the chances of that? There is a count out or a pin on the floor but definitely PE gets the win. Well, you know, it was a finally public enemy get a victory under their belt. Tanae is outside earlier as WCW has never been in New York on Nassau. He is asking the crowd if they are ready for Nitro. They certainly are. He wants to know who will be Sting's partner. And some fans yell for the Ultimate Warrior. He ignores that and one fan screams for DDP. Case in point. Gene is in the ring and calls out Savage, who with great evasion and they jobbed the shit out of him as he lost Liz and did not get revenge. He announces Gush over Nitro and the Wolfpack and they have finally figured out they are faces or some shit as they're not making sense. Savage is happy to be back in the Big Apple. Savage says something about Piper and then calls out DDP and tells him that the Wolfpack are individuals and DDP has to prove himself in a steel cage and Piper better be listening. If DDP wins, he can wear all the red and black he wants. Well, it is match two and it is Chris Benoit versus Fit Finlay. They lock up and tussle. The fans chant loudly. Fit takes him down and then again with a side headlock, takeover. He works over the arm, but Benoit punches him, only to be poked in the eye and kicked. The fans boo as Fit drops the elbow and punches him in the chin. He snaps Benoit, Benoit over and applies a rear chin lock. Benoit is up and strikes with a spinning backbreaker, knocks him to the floor and connects with some chops. Fit is rolled back into the ring where he begins, where he begs off to no avail, where he pokes the eyes again and gets a two-line. Two. Fit slams him and goes back to the chin lock, but Benoit powers out by hoisting him up and dropping him down. Commercial. We then go to commercial. We're back. Fit is in command, drops a knee to the head and pulls him over the apron and bashes his head into the side of the ring and follows it up with an elbow. He poses for the crowd as he slowly makes his way back into the ring and Benoit greets him with a series of stiff kicks and chops. Fit pokes the eye for a third time. Benoit is draped across his shoulders and slammed. Fit gets two. Two. Pulls him back up and whips him into the corner, but on the charge gets all post. Benoit hits two German suplexes, but after the second one is too tired to go for the third. 
He finally pulls up fit, whips into the corner and runs him over and then snaps suplexes him. He heads upstairs but takes his time and misses the diving headbutt. Fit slams him and gets two after the knee drop. Two. Fit climbs up but he's dropped kick to the floor. He's then on the apron and he's suplexed back in the ring. Benoit thrusts him into the ground into the boot and he's then spiked. Fit grabs him, he's hooked and put in a cross face. Fit was going for the tombstone but he immediately taps. Well, the ending was a prop but this match was awesome. This is awesome. Well, Gene is with Benoit in the middle of the ring. Gene thinks Benoit has respect for Booker. Benoit's response makes little sense. He wants him to come out and face him man to man as he has clear up. Here comes Booker with Ray in tow. Benoit raises his hand and tells Booker he is the toughest opponent he has faced and is willing to help him at any time. Ray, in his pimp hat, does not appreciate that. He calls Benoit a pipsqueak, but Benoit keeps repeating that if Booker needs a man he can trust, he can have him as a partner. Ray attacks Benoit and he pushes Booker off. Mongo runs down to make the save. Booker pushes Ray towards the back. There are chances of We Want Flair and Benoit makes his best statement in three years in WCW. I am not here for the red or the white, but for and he raises the horseman's signal. The fans love it. Wow, what a moment. And Gene calls out DDP. He wants to know what DDP has to say about Savage's challenge. DDP does his, I have overcome adversity shit. He tries to rally the crowd if you want to see him in a cage against Savage tonight. He calls Hogan scum and Rodman some names. Partner, hopefully not those names. He has himself a partner after going to the finals and he's going to help him deliver the bang! Jesus Christ, another interview. Now it's time for Piper. Christ, he makes no sense. He has referenced Sinatra, the Statue of Liberty, Rush and Stern in one minute. The fans love it. He calls Savage a basket case, but he is here as the commissioner and he respects his craziness. Piper's colours are black and blue and the cage matches on. He has more. No ref will get in the cage with Savage. But as soon as though he's not doing a damn thing, he will ref the match. Wow, so we are going to get a cage match with uh, Piper's a ref. Match three, Chono and Tenzan versus High Voltage. Rage is getting pummeled by both. Chono leads off the top and nails him, and Rage gets stomped some more. Rage runs through them and clotheslines both. Chaos flies in with a clothesline, Tenzan gets killed, and he retreats to the floor. Then it's a commercial. Rage is stomping on Tenzan and working over... And the knee, uh, <coughs> Rage is stomping on Tenzan and working over the knee. The fans are booing. They want flair and are chanting boring as Rage keeps him in the chin lock. Tenzan escapes and tags in Chono, who works over him for a bit, and tags Tenzan back in, who is taken down via an armbar. The match has broken down on all four brawl with HV getting the upper hand. Tenzan is body stabbed and Chaos is tagged in. Chono is in and they both block suplexes a few times and finally Tenzan runs in only to be hit by Rage and Chaos hits the suplex. High Voltage double teaming with a clothesline and Chaos gets two. Two. Rage is now in and he power slams Chono. Now the hills get the upper hand as Rage is tossed to the floor and Tenzan sweeps him down as Chono hits a diving headbutt. Kicks out. Only to be finished by Chono's mafia kick. It was Tenzan who hit the headbutt. Well, we have not seen Chono in some time. And let's hope we don't again. Here comes the Wolfpack. Nash and Conan get the crowd riled up as Lex looks lost. 
Now she's excited for the last man to join the wolf pack and is the first to bring gold and he introduces Sting to a huge pop. Sting calls for a red and black crowd and that was a wolf pack reception. Sting hypes Nash as a giant killer and Cario. He cannot go wrong with any choice he and he will do tonight and he cannot go wrong with any choice and he will do it tonight and it will be just too sweet. Shit the crowd was fired the fuck up. Well, if they was fired up, they're going to be even more fired up for this next match, match four, and it is Sick Boy versus Mortis. And Sick Boy greets him with some stumps, but promptly gets annihilated with a swing and neck breaker. Canyon beats on him in the corner, catches him with a neck breaker. Canyon? What's Canyon got doing this match? Canyon's Mortis. Oh. Mortis is, yeah. It still goes, Mortis had like, the mask and was kind of glaciers, mate. Then they moved him away from that, kind of made him part of the flock, but... He, we, we, we all know him as Canyon anyway, so... Well, Canyon beats on him in the corner. Canyon just kills him with a neck breaker from the top rope. Lodi intervenes, and this allows Sick Boy to blast him from behind. Sick gets two. Two! After a springboard drop kick, then he hoists him over his shoulders and then TKOs him, and Sick Boy poses for the crowd. Canyon clubs him from behind and has him up on his shoulders and face plants him right into the canvas. Canyon mounts and pounds him in the corner and then bulldogs him. Sick rakes the eyes only to be flatlined and it's over. Short but Canyon is pretty damn sweet. Rooting heading on the ramp with a former telling everyone that Hogan is where the money is. He reiterates that literally had Conan's back. Goldberg was smart to stay in the ring as he would have been 99-1 and one had he messed with them. <laughs> Kurt will defeat him and sooner or later he will get to him. They go to one year ago when DDP wanted to be a partner with Henning and he got beaten up. The same thing happened to the horseman and now Conan got swerved too. <laughs> Henning assures Rude that he will never swerve him and Rude looks a little bit worried. JJ Dillon is out to discuss to <coughs> JJ Trust. Dillon is out to discuss the cruiserweight belt and Dean had knocked down the ref. Not change hands on a DQ but no one had the belt. Dillon does not want to hear whining and Jericho comes out singing that he is the champion. There is singing in the streets and the Jerichoholics are excited as he is the champ again. He wants his prized possession back. JJ wants him to fully understand one condition that he has to defend the title within 30 days against Malenko. Jericho has been to the Liberty of Congress and while he has to defend it within 30 days, it does not have to be against Dean. He's beat him so many times that he is worthless, like his daddy. Dean blindsides and once again beats the ever-living shit out of him as they head to the back. Jericho is clotheslined onto a dumpster and trash is tossed on top of him. Then he's flung into a cardboard box. Jericho fires off a wild shot and finally security arrives and Jericho sprints to safety, trying to stop a car. Dean is screaming his name. I mean, this is brilliant because you get to see the kind of Jericho hill of trying to take the ease. And with Malenko as well, you know, you call him a nice man, but we're seeing fire in him now going after Jericho like this. Jericho really has um, lit a fire in Dean Malenko. Speaking of fire, Giant comes out and he's smoking. He says cigarette again. I'm not, I'm not sure why the giant's smoking. Maybe no, James, he hasn't going. got a smile on his face. He's got a cigarette, actually, in his gob. Well, he's going against Chris Adams. I guess he's a rebel. He has it in his mouth and puffs as he gets into the ring. He's lounging over the rope smoking. Chris, push, Chris pushes him, and the giant begs off, wants to smoke. So he clocks him, and Adams is fired up and attacks, only to be slammed. It's over. So the giant won while smoking. Here comes Hogan and Bischoff along with Beefcake. Hogan states that on the seventh day God created Hollywood and that he is back in the house that Hollywood built. 
He reminds the big slimy that there is indeed a pecking order and that he is officially back. He is tired all the whining in red and black along with in WCW. He is especially sick of DDP and Triple Dog dares him to do something about it. He drops Costa's name. He declares Malone is scared of Rodman and got punked during the finals. And the challenge is made for the next pay-per-view and DDP can pick his partner. He deals in overnight he deals in overnight delivery and not parcel post. Oh, so it's going to be Rodman and Hogan versus DDP and a partner of his choice. I wonder who that could be. A basketball player? Yeah, probably the guy they already mentioned. Uh, here comes Sting and he wants the music cut before he announces who his partner is. He declares Savage, Crazy and Piper in DDP will have his hands full. Nash is his partner and here he comes. He does a survey and the fans are clearly behind the red and horns heading that he will now be hunted. So Sting and Nash versus Harlem Heat for the WWE Tag Titles. Stevie wants Booker to start off. Sting tussles with him but sends him retreating to the floor after a hip toss. Booker tests the knee and Ray checks on him. Back in the ring, Sting forearms him but he is dropped with a running forearm. Ray yells at Booker for letting up and tags in. Ray pummels Sting with clubbing fists and stomps. Now he adds in some knee shots. He runs into a boot and is clotheslined. Sting trash talks and tags in Nash, who drills Ray in the back with an elbow. And now it's Nash offence time. He chokes him out of his boot, but Ray pokes the eye and body slams him. He misses the elbow drop and Nash grabs him and tags in Sting, who kicks and hits Ray. Commercial. Ray hits Sting, tags in Booker, who misses the drop kick. Nash is in the booth in the corner and Booker in the corner. Fuck. Mix it up a bit. Booker gets his head torn off with a big boot. He side-slams him and gets a two-count. Two. Sting is in and he kicks Booker, slams him and then drops the elbow. He body-slams him again and springs off the ropes getting another two. Two. He attempts a big splash but eats all knees. Nash is tagged in and he waits for Booker to get up and short clotheslines him. He glares at Ray and then uses his knee to choke up Booker on the rope and then leaps onto the back of his neck. Sting gets a tag who stands on Booker's throat. Sting back suplexes and tags Nash back in, who picks him up, but he's shoved off and rolled up, and Booker gets a near fall. Nash grabs him, cuts off the ring, and Sting is back in, and he pushes Booker into the corner, whips him to the other one, but misses the Stinger splash and stumbles into a spine buster. Ray gets the tag, and he drops Sting, then power slams him. Ray celebrates and splits on Nash. This leaves and he is pinned. Well, some people actually enjoyed this. Sting has improved in the ring. Nash did his usual, but actually wrestled. Stevie is not very good, but it was still decent. Well, Scott Steiner is with Bischoff and bragging about being in LA, where the sun always shined. He's making fun of New York and the non-English speaking cab drivers. Instead, he is in LA with thespians and they all paying homage to him. He brings up Shannon Tweed. Now he mentions Nero Edford about how they thought his acting job was great against his brother. He even fooled Mean Gene. He gave Rick two chances and he will never be able to join a black and white and Bischoff gushes at Scotty sets the standard. And then match seven is Vandy Savage versus DDP. After so long intros, DDP takes it to Savage but he's grabbed and flung into the steel cage. Savage pounds on him in the corner. Savage turned to be the run in the cage head first a few times. Then he's body slammed. DDP goes up top in his crotch. Savage charges and he's back body dropped into the cage. DDP stomps away and then spits on him. Savage runs headfirst into the cage again. DDP covers him and gets two. 
two. Savage versus the whip and sends DDP crashing into the cage. DDP is dropped throat first over the top rope. Savage is sent into the post and then mauled. However, he returns the favour as DDP gets run into the cage and is stomped. Savage and DDP collide and now both are down. Savage rolls on top and gets two. Two. Savage kicks him to choke him out. Commercial. DDP is laid out. <coughs> DDP is laid out. Savage pulls him up but is popped in the gut and now DDP fires off rights and lefts and then clotheslines him. He wants the DC but is kicked in the nuts. Savage slams him and then connects with a big elbow. He sells the knee but is able to make the cover and DDP barely kicks out. Oh. Savage is yelling at Piper and shoves him. Piper shoves him right back and they jaw at one another and Savage decks him from behind as Piper thought he calmed him down. Piper is power driven, but DDP hits the DC as Savage pulls him up. DC? A diamond cut. Oh, yes. Yeah, so DDP hit the diamond cut as Savage pulls him up. There's no ref though, so DDP flings Savage into the corner and Piper has recovered. The fans are chanting Goldberg. It's a good sign. Now Piper and Page are going out, and Page is getting run into the cage over and over, and finally nails Piper. He fights back as it is broken down. Piper decks him. Piper runs both into the cage. The cage lifted a bit, and here comes Hogan and the crew as the cage comes back down. Oh, for fuck's sake. As the black and white enter the cage and unload on three men, Sting climbs up to the top. Savage is laid out with a chair to the knee. Nash is out too, and he runs off towards the back. The announcers miss a guy laid out, and now Nash has the controls for the cage as he starts to raise it as the show fades. Wow. I mean, wow. Shall I rank it that high this match? No. But it may be Savage's last match for some time, and it was still fun to see him and DDP beat the shit out of each other, and it all ended on a high note. Well, the fans were not happy that there was no Goldberg and Schiavone. Tanae and Gene gushing over how great WCW, Nitro, and the pay-per-view are, and they were just getting on my fucking nerves. That being said, it was still an okay-ish show. There was some decent wrestling, three long matches, and they teased the NWO Wolfpack split. Steen got some great airtime, as is DDP. A solid follow-up to the pay-per-view, but there could have been more wrestling, but the matches there, they did get a lot of time. The crap I, however, I must discuss Hogan. When I started watching 98 again, I got crap and all the gaga, but by June it's lost its shine. Hogan is being hobbled out twice a show more often than not. His promos are exactly the same. His matches are too. And a conspiracy in me says that he got the title in April because he convinced Bischoff that WF had caught up with him when he wasn't the champ. Yeah, to be fair, his title match got huge ratings. But by June, Raw is winning, so of course he wants to dump the title so he's not held responsible and he should not have the title for fuck's sake. But I bitched about him a lot already. Anyway, Hogan's run as Hollywood has lost its luster. He needs a nice long break. Those main events are atrocious and the fans are slowly turning against him. But with the WF winning, this means we're still the same. Goldberg being the exception, but I recall his title run being lackluster. We'll see how WSW treat him as that. Also, the network didn't did. Also, the network didn't have a couple of segments in some shows. The remixed music sucks ass. The fucking network. Forgot about the Wolfpack, uh, and I forgot how over the Wolfpack was. Damn! And how legendary Jerker was at the time. Where was Hart during this episode? No wonder he didn't get a push. Stop fucking moping over the WF. Get to the arena on time, and maybe less dates hurt you because you're rarely on TV. Of course, this is WCW, so you know, yeah. But we move on to our next episode, June 22nd, episode 145. 
Not really sure if I buy DDP thrust into the limelight so quickly with this feud. He's more than ready for the big time, but it seems hot-shotted. DDP was on the sideline for a bit, and now deservedly so back in the spotlight, but they could have made it a bit more convincing. He was attacked by Hogan and Rodman, and Malone is his friend, but I feel something is missing. I've heard Hogan wanted Savage to be Malone's partner as DDP was not so ready, but DDP was friends with Malone. Not sure how true the Savage thing was and his need. Okay, let's get going. Nitro loses again, 4.3 to 4.1. Well, they show a snippet of the contract signing with DDP and Malone. Now on from the Tonight Show with Rodman and Hogan talking to Malone. Gene calls out DDP's group with chance of DDP, surprisingly, but there were random boos. DDP is jacked to be in Jacksonville and makes faces when he states Vodman's name and calls Howie Hogan scum. He has not forgotten the past year and a half. He declares that Hogan's life has made him soft and he doesn't really want it anymore while he wants it really bad. Malone is one of the hardest workers and he has DDP's back and wants to be in the ring. The difference between Rodman alone is white and black and they are totally different. Fuck, that makes no sense. DDP slurs that Rodman is a marketing genius genius but a dead man in the ring, and they are going out with a bang. Well, after all that gubbins out of the way, we are going on to match one, and that is Lynn Denton Disco Inferno. And for some revenge, after and for some revenge after getting demolished by the giant, Disco dominates the first two minutes until Lynn catches him with a botched neck breaker, and now he's on the offensive and hammers him. Disco comes back with some clotheslines and finishes him with a pile driver. Well, the crowd was hot for this, though. Gene is in the ring and Tony claims there's a big surprise tonight. And Gene concurs. The surprise is Kevin Green. <gasps> no, really? Yeah, I know. And cares. Sorry, Kevin. He plays the face and hypes up the Jaguars and Mike Brunel. He gets Jaguars. A few... Jaguars. Jaguar. He gets a few cheers, but mostly boobs. And now there's a five-minute conversation about the Panthers and the football. And who fucking cares? The Panthers and the Jaguars all suck balls. And let's get to wrestling. Goldberg was his roommate in 92, and that gives him a brief cheer, but it does not last. Oh, because Rude and Henning come out. They taunt Green for interfering in an air spot. Green calls it bull and punks. Giant belts him from behind, and they beat him up. Some Goldberg chance, but... No Goldberg. Well, Goldberg doesn't want to be brought down into that shit. Well, Green is back up and calls the giant fat and calls them punks and chases after them. During the break, Green is being held back as he tries to go after the NWO. JJ Dillon is back there and sets up a match between Green and the Giant. Match two is Random versus Yuji Nagata. The Random dances and shakes his ass so he gets hits and body slammed. It's Tokyo Magnum. They're going back and forth. Nagata takes him down and works over the leg. I watched the match but was studying. Almost done with a book, so this was the perfect time. Nagata wins. They pan to the back where Stevie Ray pummels Benoit until he is held back. My God, a match for his public enemy versus Horace Hogan and Sick Boy. Well, public enemy runs him over and the hills retreat to the floor. Sick Boy gets back in the ring down as the rock, as rock works over the arm. Grunge gets the tag and kicks him in the chest and they both pancake him. Sick Boy pokes the eye. Horace gets the tag, but Grunge makes it to two. And they double, t- double, elbow drop, ho- double elbow drop Horace. Rock follows it up with a forearm shot to the head. Horace reverses a whip and Rock hits Sick Boy, but is caught and guillotined off the top rope as Sick Boy clotheslines him from the apron. And they both stomp on Rock. 
Rock is flung into the corner and Sick Boy pulls him up and whips him to the into the ropes. But Rock gets a two. Two. After the sunset flip, Rock is kicked into the corner numerous times by both heels. And Horace sends Rock into the corner and off the rebound side, slams him. Well, he covers him and Grunge makes a save. Rock is closed onto the floor and Grunge gives him some advice for helping him back in the ring. Jesus Christ, Giovanni, will you not shut the fuck up about main events on tonight's show? Christ, he gets annoying. Meanwhile, Sick Boy's in and he's hammering Rock, but misses a splash in the corner and gets hung up. Grunge run, but he's stomped. Tony is still fucking going on. Horace hits everyone with a stop sign as the match was broken down, but it's rolled up and nearly gets pinned. Grunge tries to avoid the stop sign and cannot as he stumbles. Rock leaps off the top into the sign and Horace lands on him to get the win. A bit long, but decent. Well, Gene messes up Hart's phrase and calls him out. Hart introduces Gene to Mr. Shh and hopes everyone is happy that they turned two Canadians against one another. He's known Benoit since he was a snot-nosed punk. He should have trusted Bret Hart, but has been brainwashed down here. He's now going to face the best wrestler, and he yells at the crowd damn straight, and states he should be worried. Uh, more from the Tonight Show. Here comes DDP and Malone, and Lene's acting is awful. Hogan is baffled, and now Rodman wants to do it right here, and Malone goes for him. Malone is going to do the diamond cutter on Rodman, and shows Jay what it looks like. Rodman turns the insignia upside down by his crotch, and Leno goes to the break as they shove each other. <clears throat> well, it is match four, and it is Goldberg versus Rick Fuller. Well, there's no doubt Goldberg gets a huge pop, but it's hard to see if some of the chance are piped in as legend has it. And now the entrance is complete, isn't it? We talked about the fireworks, how long it would take. He stands in the fireworks as they come all over him, comes out, and like said, Tony said last week, he can't be set alight. He is WCW Superman. Can he save him in the ratings war? He's in action next, and you can't miss a Goldberg match. Goldberg. Oh, my God, and Fuller looks like he's ready for action. He's a big man. Wow, surprisingly, Fuller's getting in a bit of it. Um, well, he's getting a bit of offence in as Goldberg kind of spears him, but Fuller doesn't go for it, so it's kind of a... As he jacks him up and hammers him down for the free. Well, you can't take your eyes off a Goldberg match, can you? And that was impressive there against Rick Fuller. As we move on. Well, Tanae's out with the crowd and they are screaming fucking nonsense. Jesus, the announcers are getting on my nerves. I'm hoping they do not start masturbating to Nitro as they will not shut the fuck up about how it keeps getting bigger and better. Wolfpack time. The fans just explode. Nash and Conan do their thing and then Nash declares that Goldberg just killed Kenny. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not Yates, so that's a topical reference. Sting screams and takes a blow-up doll for a moment and that the crowd is all red and black. He calls Nash a giant killer and he's a medium-sized one and the giant is dead. He is challenging anyone and anywhere for the tag belts. Nash declares that being in the wolf pack is just too sweet. Yeah. Well, we move on to match five, and that is Alex Wright, yeah. Ah, huge pinners. Against Eddie Guerrero. Eddie locks up and shoves him off and reacts to the jeers of the crowd, and Wright stomps a hole in him. But Eddie comes back, snaps him over, and pounds him being poked in the eye, and Wright keeps dancing as he stomps away. Eddie chops away, but Wright returns the favour and gets two, two after a bridge suplex. 
Right, goes up and misses and is spiked with a vicious brain buster. Chavo comes out and mocks Eddie and this allows Wright to finish him off. As Chavo calls that, not the Guerrero way, him losing. Well, it is angle advancement and Chavo calls him his little trooper and tells him a story about playing Monopoly. Eddie calls him a wacko and Chavo states his name is Chavo and sings it to Bingo. The C H A V O and keeps taking, <laughs> keeps talking as Eddie backs away. This is classic. We got more crowd talking about the Rodman match, <laughs> and then we move on to match six, and that is Riggs versus James' favourite Conan. Ooh. Conan works him over. He pulls him over his back as he has the leg hooked. Conan is knocked off, and Riggs hammers him, getting a two count. Two. Conan is dumped to the floor. Conan gets back into the ring, and Riggs keeps up the pressure. He pounds him into the corner, then muffs as he hits Honan's knee on the side under, on the slide under. Conan face plants him and then trips him up and puts him in a clutch and leans forward. But Lodi gets on the apron, so Conan releases the hold and decks him, but gets up and turns into a clothesline power slam and a power slam. Riggs gets two and heads up the top and is brushed aside. Uh, Riggs gets two. Two. And heads up top and is brushed aside on the leap and the sunrise finishes him. Well, you know, at least Conan's getting a couple of wins. Fuck you, Dan. It annoys James, so I like it. Carl Malone is calling Hogan a sissy and a coward at a press conference. Rodman is talking about nonsense. Well, does say Malone is being used on the bottom. (laughs) Stevie Ray versus Steve McMichael. My hits keep coming on this one. Mongo comes out to horseman music. Ray rocks him with Caesar forearms, finally dropping him, but Mongo hops right back up and lays him in, into him. He keeps battering him, and then we go to a commercial. Back from the commercial, Ray back kicks him in the head, or a heel kick, and then strikes with a leg drop, getting a two count. Two. Ray body slams him, getting two. Two. And puts him in a rear chin lock. Mongo gets vertical and starts clubbing Ray, and a knee lift sends him down. Mongo drops the elbow and stomps on him for good measure. The brawl heads to the floor with Ray's face getting planted into the railing, but he reverses a whip and Mongo's head bounces off the steel steps. Mongo's rolled back into the ring and Ray pulls Penzar off the chair and he has his chair. <laughs> Duh. Here comes Benoit and he grabs the chair and holds it all the while holds it all the while eyeing Ray. Booker now grabs the chair from Benoit. Ray wants Booker to hit him as Benoit and Booker tells Ray they did not need the chair as the fans chant for flair. Good God, this was a long, dull match, but it had some angle advancement. Angle advancement. It was always nice to see Benoit and Booker. Here comes Hogan and company. EB asks Liz how life is without Savage, and she loves it. Hogan was with Bret Hart's shirt on and mocks Savage as he knew Liz only wanted the money and ran to Hogan as everyone falls to the feet of Hogan, and everyone knows he made wrestling. Now he turns to Paige and the only reason he is famous for is Rife being in Playboy and the head of the Nitro Girls and calls him PP. Malone is famous for getting his butt kicked in the playoffs. Hogan and Rosilla are going to feed them to his pet whales. He really said that. Bischoff makes one last crack at Savage and his leg. They show Savage getting his leg broken by Eric Bischoff. Wow. And after all that, we might actually have a good match. It's Chris Benoit. Bret Hart, first time ever. So this should be a classic encounter between Bret Hart and Chris Benoit, first time ever. And they're calling over. 
With a collar and elbow tie-up, a bit of test of strength between the two, just feeling each other out. Two Canadians yep. in Stu Hart's famed dungeon. Indeed, and an arm dragged by Benoit there. The referee just saying, don't grab the hair. And now of a collar and elbow tie-up, Brett backs him up into the corner. This should be a technical masterpiece. Ref gets in to separate them. And Brett looked like Brett looked like he uh, broke cleanly there. And another thing, Brett came out to NWO Music. So you got a question? Is he a part of the black and white now? I mean, surely he is. Call me Shirley, but all signs point to him being in the black and white. And Benoit, of course, wants to be in the four horsemen, but there is no flair. Woo! But a nice takedown by Benoit. You say there's no flair, but there is a Mongo. There is, and yes, you're right. They're so similar in uh, what they've done in their careers. There's just 16 world titles between them. Yeah, that's that's the only difference, you know. Brett, nice slam, goes for the elbow, but Benoit's quick, dodges out of the way, drag Tate down, goes back to the arm. Benoit was accused earlier, now it's Brett pulling the hair. Benoit checking the arm of Brett, Brett's getting to his feet, and now blocking referee's view. I think he's got the hand dug in so he can try and get away. Brett with a couple of punches to the midsection, plants him with a spike DDT. And Brett now slowly is going to take over on this one. And he's just running Benoit's face down the top rope. Typical heel tactic moves there from Brett. And a veteran move as well. Trying to stop the, the onslaught for Benoit. Both it, men exchange some chops, but Brett gets the upper hand. And he's just choking Benoit out in the corner now. And what I find interesting about this is that they're both very technical. But there's a difference between the two. Because Benoit, you say, more of aggressive nature. Benoit were very fit, fitting very well with kind of NXT style, the strong style they've got at the moment, and that type. Whereas Brett is kind of, yeah, he is technical, but he hasn't got the kind of hard chops that you would imagine or the other kind of, you know, moves. He's more safer. And I kind of like the Benoit style more, but Brett is so safe. And it's kind of weird that, you know, chops, how much damage is actually being done to Brett or is Benoit going to take it a little bit easy because of the respect? Well, I think Brett's a bit more old school than Benoit. You know, Benoit's a bit, even, you know, for 20 years ago, he's he's not doing much that wouldn't be out of place yeah, today. That's true. But where Brett is, you know, he's doing something that you'd kind of have seen in the early to mid-90s. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think he kind of defined that style as well. Kind of slow, more technical build-up to it. Less high spots, if you would. Brett gets a boot up to Benoit. Oh, ben, after Benoit's done an Irish whip reversal, inverted atomic drop, then a clothesline. Now Brett up to the second rope. Oh, oh looking for that leaping elbow, but Benoit rolls out of the way. Oh, my God. Benoit rocking Brett with those chops. Hey, yo, Adrian. And then oh, a rocky. headbutt. Brett's in trouble. Back up again. Oh, and just hangs Benoit over the top rope. One thing about Brett, he always knows where he is in the ring. You can take advantage of uh, any situation. Situation. Now, Brett just kicking Benoit out. Is that right, said Fred? What? Jesus Christ, son. Like, goddamn. Picks up Benoit and just runs him bottom of the back to the post and then just dumps him to the wafer thin mats below. And James, just how thin are them mats? I don't know. How thin are those mats? They are mere millimetres thick over just pure concrete. No giving them whatsoever. Energy out here, though. Well, now, Brett, pummeling Benoit on the outside. Referees come out here and say, come on now. You've got to win this in the ring. Come on, Chris. Christopher, get up, Chris. Well, Benoit's looking to recover, but 
Brett just comes back straight back to the outside, throws him in the ring. Now Brett gonna look for a pole driver. Oh seated pole driver. Plants Benoit into the mat. One, two. Oh. But Benoit managing to kick out. Oh. And Brett having an argument with a ref telling him he's counting too slow. Honestly, you really can't see Brett as a heel. I just don't think it works for him. I don't know, he hasn't got that kind of viciousness. Yeah. With a headbutt to Benoit, I thought that would be a mistake, but obviously Brett got the better of that one. Now Brett is not going to take any chances. Now he saw him leave his feet earlier. Now he's thinking to himself, I'm just going to beat him down. He thinks he's in control. And Nitro continues after the break. Come back to Brett with a cover on Benoit. But he only manages to get a two count. Two. Looks like Brett's been in control all throughout the break. He's getting Benoit to his feet. Side Russian leg sweep. Takes him down, goes for another cover. But Benoit managing to kick out. Ah. Now he's Brett going through his signature moves. He's getting a bit distracted, his old Brett, at the moment. And just laces to the face of Benoit. Kick to the midsection. This is all Brett at the moment. Irish rip. Oh, but Benoit with a backslide. Francis bet against the ropes, but Brett holds on, rolls up Benoit. Oh, only gets a two count. Two. And again, getting distracted by the ref. And he's shouting in his face. Benoit back to his feet. Swing and a miss for Brett. Catches him from behind. Goes for a German. Keeps the grip. Hits the second. Going for the third. No, Brett blocks it. Elbow to this side of the head. Standing switch. But Benoit with a standing switch of his own. Oh, what's that, my love? Oh, my God, the suplex there by Benoit, folding Brett inside out. Well, full Nelson suplex, but Brett wisely rolled him through to a lead attempt. And the punishment Benoit's taken as well. Benoit's back to his feet first. Picks Brett up, snap suplex. I do love Benoit's snap suplexes. Oh, my God, now he slits his throat. And they're going to go up for the diamond headbutt. He's just so crisp in the win, isn't it? Yeah. He's so crisp, is Benoit... Headbutt time. Oh, but Brett moves out the way after Benoit leaps literally half the way across the ring. Benoit in prime position. Brett just between the legs. And now Brett's going to go up. Will this be a mistake? Certainly is because Benoit catches him. Crutches him on the top rope. Superplex time. Catches him. Benoit rolls through. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh, oh. but Brett managing to kick out. Ah. And Benoit did say ben, Brett hasn't done throughout the match, and that's hooked the leg. And Benoit now having to go to the ref. Ref's having a tough time with this. I'm just doing my job, man. Short arm, close arm from Benoit, taking Brett down, goes for another cover. Oh, but Brett managing to kick out. Oh. Full size Chris Benoit, full size Chris Benoit. I think Benoit's getting frustrated, and Brett, right to the eyes. Suplex of his own, but Benoit catches him in the crossface. And Brett's caught. And he can barely reach the rope. The excellence of execution. Is he going to tap? No, he manages to make the bottom rope. Again, where of all everywhere, what to do? And here comes Stevie Ray on the stairs. Oh. And he's distracted Benoit. Brett's got something in his hand. Clocks Benoit from behind with the knucks. And now Benoit going to the cover on Brett. Gets the shoulder up from that. But Benoit's already knocked out. It was Brett. Shenanigans by Brett, so the referee didn't realise that Benoit was knocked out. Going for the sharpshoot, so when the referee checks, it's Brett doing the arm for him as well. 
And Benoit is out cold. <laughs> Brett gets the victory. Well, it looks like some brass knucks. Well, fuck yeah, this is what WWE needs. I mean, the cheating, not so much. But then again, Benoit needs to look strong, doesn't he? So it's not a pay-per-view and hearts a hill, but it is great shit. WWE needs to take note of these matches because this is the stuff that will bring fans back, won't it, you know? So anyway, match nine in the so-called main event, and it's the Giant versus Kevin Green. Well, I'm not sure why this is getting the buffer treatment. Oh, well. Not much time left. Green runs into the ring and charges into the Giant. Runs into him for a few times and bounces around the ring like a spaz and gets his head torn off by the Giant. Giant hits the big elbow and fakes that he is smoking. Green drives his head in. Green drives his head into his nuts, and then jumps onto him for the three-point stance, a la Mojo. And now Henning and Rude run in and assault him. Now the Goldberg chants start. The rest of the NWO crew come out and hammer him. Here comes Goldberg and Vincent gets speared, and then Adams and another dude gets the double spear. Giant walks us out the ring and the fans are loving it as Goldberg challenges them. I thought Goldberg and Green were going to make out. Green and Goldberg are up against the Giant and Henning. Well, that was an absolute dud. But the aftermath was badass and it makes sense having this main event to get Goldberg over. Also, Green should not be wrestling long matches. Uh, I give Shivani a lot of shit, but you can hear someone talking in his ear in an audio miscue. His incessant hype in the double main event was fucking awful. However, he's doing what he's told because Bischoff is a little bitch because Thor's ahead. His short sightedness is staggering, but it's fair. If it wasn't Bischoff, WWE might have already. So the next episode is June 29th, Nitro 146. Well, tonight we witness the arrival of DDP and Carl Malone. Oh boy. The heavily hyped arrival, along with Hogan and Rodman, do not help the ratings as they stayed at 4.1, while Raw exploded with a 5.4. I'm already dreading Shivoni talking about it for three fucking hours. <laughs> and then we have Thunder and next week and then Thunder again. Fuck. Hopefully there's something decent. Hopefully there's some decent wrestling and Tony has a stroke. Well fuck Kevin Green. Look, I respect the guy, but not for wrestling. He cannot speak well or wrestle. He gets no recall response, so he's right to the point that his partner is Goldberg at the pay for you and just talks about him. Well, we're on to match one, and that is Horace Hogan versus Canyon. Canyon gets off to a fast start, snaps him over and pounds on him. Canyon straddles him, straddles him, and then spikes his head into the mat. Canyon is distracted by Lodi. Horace takes advantage and knocks Canyon around and gets a two. Two. After a suplex. Uh, after a superplex. Canyon makes a comeback, decks Lodi, but turns into a big boot. But Horace delays and is finished off with a flatliner. Yeah, not bad. Quite fast pace. The flop runs in and gets dismantled back over. He is down and Raven has the mic and makes some terrible poetry. He calls him foolish and finishes him off with the even flow. They show Carl's 18 wheel on the highway. Gene calls out Stevie Ray. Ray stumbles over his word and he babbles about beating both Benoit and Mongo. But his brother will not allow that. So he challenges them to a tag match and Booker does what he says and will go along with it. We're on to match two now, and it is Ultimo Dragon versus Eddie Guerrero. Eddie looks under the apron for Chavo. He and Dragon go back and forth for a bit until Eddie strikes with a spinning backbreaker and now a back suplex. Eddie slingshots onto him, but he wastes time looking around for Chavo. Eddie pulls him up and knocks him around a little with uppercuts and knees. I guess this is Little Dragon. My bad. Eddie connects with a vertical suplex, but takes an hour to head up top, and here comes Chavo with Pepe. 
He's doing his shtick as he pretends to ride the horse and taunt Eddie. He wants Eddie to pet him, and instead Eddie grabs it, takes it away, and Dragon rolls him up for the win. Well, it's angle and advancement, and Chavo is not happy about his horse. Eddie finally has enough and chases him to the back. Jericho's talking to Dragon about facing Dean, and he will get a title shot if he wins. And we've got some Japanese dudes (laughs) against the Giant for match three. And predictably, Giant fucking annihilates them. Double choke slams them for the win. Well, Rude and Henning come in and dismantle them the mic and yells, if the people have a problem, they need to bring it right now. What just happened now will happen at the pay for you to Green and Goldberg. Green is a piece of garbage. He's not even a wrestler. He's beating bigger people and jaws with the fans and Green starts to come down and Kurt eggs him on. He calls him a non-athlete and a jerk. Green runs in the ring and clears it and here comes Goldberg to lend a bladed hand. The inner ring taunt the hills to get back into the ring. Well, here comes Eric Bischoff and Hulkster. Hogan talks about dumping Cole's semi-over. Easy. And taking out DDP with one python and Cole with the other. He's going to break those two losers in half. Cole Malone will go down in history as the biggest loser after he loses at the pay-per-view. Bischoff has the mic and mocks the truck and direction ability as well as Malone being a loser. Hogan agrees that Carl embarrassed himself in the finals and on Leno. Fuck me, Hogan just called Rodman the black Jesus and that he call, and he calls and that he himself will crucify the other two. He finishes about being worshipped for love and loved, etc. Uh, worshipped for life and loved, etc. Boy is he losing steam and it's the same fucking thing. Well, here come the Wolfpack. Yeah, match four there going. Lex Luger Sting's going against David Boy and Jim Neinhart. Oh, shit. David and Jim are done for. Jim and Luger start off. Lex cannot slam him and Neinhart falls on him. But Jim is knocked to the floor after a clothesline. He slowly makes his way back in the ring. David gets a tag and Lex points at Sting trying to get the crowd riled up. And it kind of works. Sting shoves him and puts him in a headlock. And then the two hip tosses send David to the floor. David slowly gets back in the ring. Now the fans are firmly behind Sting. David wants a piece of Luger and flexes, so Sting obliges and tags in Luger. Luger flexes right back and everyone squeals. Davey backs down and tags in Anvil, who mocking flexes at Lex, and so Sting is tagged in. Sting talks to others' faces, drawing at each other. Jim pushes Sting, but gets taken off his feet with a running lariat. Now a test of strength, and Jim puts his hands on the canvas where Sting stomps on them. Lex is tagged in, and he is driven to the other side, the other corner, and double teamed. Jim sledges the back and chokes him out on the ropes. Jim works him over for a bit, but Lex makes a tag after Jim does, and Davey gets demolished by the three, by three inverted atomic drops and a stinger splash. Davey goes for a body slam, but he's finished by the death drop. Well, I'm not sure why now Davey and Jim are jobbers. Davey's a former contender for world titles and did not get one offensive move in. He'd be wasted, but to be fair, he's getting a lot of money, and match five was Reese versus Saturn. Reese easily manhandles Saturn for a moment, but Saturn dodges a low blow, kicks him a few times. Reese tosses him off, and then Gorilla slams him with his knees. Reese off some more offensive. He's grabbed and finished with a death driver. Then after the match, the flock comes out and destroys Saturn. Raven talks about Saturn and his betrayal, and then gives him an even flow. Then we get another shot of the 18-wheeler. Well, match six is El Vampiro versus Brad Armstrong. They lock up and Brad shoves him down. Brad mocks him and then strikes for a couple of clotheslines, but it's slow to follow up and he's dropped via an insecurity. Vampirio follows up with a spin kick, but Brad counters back with a bulldog only to kick his head off and then literally plows him on the mat with the nail in the coffin. Not bad and Vampiro has come. 
Match 7 is Tokyo Magnum and Shimmy something versus Disco Inferno and Alex Wright, yeah. Oh, Alex Wright, yeah. Well, Tokyo joins the dance and gets assaulted and kicked to the floor. Wright has the arm, but Shimmy reverses and they exchange wrist locks. Shimmy takes him down, but Wright counters and has a hammerlock applied. Shimmy escapes and drop kicks Alex. Disco, though, gets worked over for a bit, but he and Alex double-team Magnum. Shimmy and Disco are in, and the latter gets dropped after a running spin kick. Shimmy gets a two after a springboard diving headbutt. Two. Wright makes a save, and now all four are beating on each other. Disco kills Shimmy with a face breaker, and now Wright finishes it with a neck breaker. He was useless, but still fast-paced. And Disco and Alex are arguing about dancing, and I think Alex is a better dancer. And then we're talking about wrestling. No, Disco's the better dancer. <laughs> well, we're, t- um, we're talking about wrestling next in Salt Mo Dragon versus Dean Malenko. And Dean has the arm, but Dragon reverses it, and now they flip and fly around the ring and dropkick each other and start back at square one. Dean trips him and tries to follow up, only to be put in a hammerlock. Dean then reverses hold and drives his knee into the back. Dean covers for two. Two. Dragon, though, has the leg and works it over along with the knee. Dean manages to avoid the headstand kick. Dragon gets bounced off the canvas with a German suplex, but Dragon lands on his feet after the German suplex and connects with some stiff kicks, but gets caught in a springboard moonsault. But he has the Dragon Sleeper applied, but Malenko counters with a jawbreaker. They tussle for a bit, but Dragon gets the upper hand and hits the handspring elbow. He places Dean up top and climbs up after him, but Dean has him and strikes with the super gut buster. Jericho comes down and informs Dean that he is going to be arrested for imitating a wrestler. He mentions his dad, and Dean breaks the cloverleaf and chases Jericho. Uh, well, it's decent whilst it lasted. Oh, and Dragon wins via count out. Match nine: Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael versus Harlem Heat. Benoit stomps a hole in Ray, but it's clothesline. Now Ray stomps away in the corner. He draws at Booker T, and Benoit fights back, only to get his eyes poked and power slammed. Booker is tagged in, and Ray tells him to get physical and booked to a back elbow. Two. He misses a side kick and is dropped with a dragon leg whip. Mongo gets a tag and keeps after the leg. Booker finally escapes and Ray gets a tag and clubs the back. Mongo makes a comeback. Weakly flings him into the corner and then slowly runs at him and gets his leg grabbed and shoved down. Booker gets the tag and spikes him down and gets a two count. Two. Benoit runs in and Ray knocks him to the floor. Bret Hart runs down, wielding a chair and Booker is belted with it. And Mongo turns him, o- turns him over and the ref makes the count and it is over. Oh, thank fuck for that. Really disappointing match. Uh, the truck has nearly arrived. Yay, I can't mm. wait for the truck. Well, oh shit, Bischoff has a Tonight Show stage set up with Liz there. The, thin- the synthesizer guy does some terrible jokes about truck drivers and hot sauce. Bischoff introduces Liz and the crowd is baffled. Bischoff claims he has a special guest and it is Scott Steiner. Starts wearing youth small and talking about his arms and that big popper pump is in town and he's ready to pound. Steiner makes fun of Carl for doing Rogaine commercials while Rodman is starring in movies. Carl has not beat him in the finals for the last two years and will lose at the pay-per-view. Therefore, he does not deliver. Scotty teases who his co-star is in the movies and Bischoff wonders if it's Arnold, etc., but it will be revealed next week. I cannot wait. Tease with Gene and the former is not too worried about Ray, but is worried about Bret Hart and calls him a sissified punk. Ray comes out and does not like him issuing challenges. Booker challenges Bret anyway. Ray interrupts again and he and Booker argue. Ray calls Booker a sissy and how two years ago they would have beat him easily. 
Brett comes out and makes fun of the way black people say ask and brags how he's the best and is willing to take him on. Brett is reduced in status for the but for the rub for Booker will be Well Bischoff and Hogan are in the locker room. Hogan is a bit worried about DDP and Carl will pay despite Rodzilla not being here tonight. Bischoff tries to get him to relax and Hogan knows what they are going to do now. They think Carl and DDP will not arrive. Goldberg is getting the Michael Buffer treatment and that's Glacier versus Goldberg for the US title. Glacier starts it off but he ducks under Goldberg's first attack thinking yeah, he's outsmarting the wrestler. Yeah, he's not going to be perturbed by Goldberg. He's faced him before. Maybe he's got a game plan this time around and the more cocky attitude of Glacier that we've seen in recent weeks. Maybe he thinks he can actually do something. Uh-oh. Goldberg with a trip takedown though. And the fans certainly behind Goldberg. Oh, Glacier's getting some offence in. More than Chavo did. Cut the palm strikes. Working over the arm, but Goldberg catching him like a leg whip, taking him down, but Glacier's immediately to the ropes. Goldberg just throws Glacier back into the turnbuckle power. Irish rip reversal sends Goldberg into the corner, and he comes out with a knee to the midsection and a leg sweep. And now, very impressive. Going to go kick Goldberg in the face. And look at Glacier taunting. He thinks he's in control. But Goldberg just sights himself up, grabs Glacier's leg. Oh, my God. Look at the power there. Alabama slam to Glacier. As he tries making his way to the feet, Goldberg's perched in the corner. Spears him out of his fucking boots. Well, the crowd love it. And what's next? Hammers him down. One, two, three. Oh, my God. How impressive there is Bill Goldberg. Well, Gold Billberg is looking amazing. My word. Well, we get more Bischoff and Hogan, and Bish tells Carl to bite him and calls him a gutless punk. Hogan claims he's going to tear them apart for not showing up. Bischoff states they should have gotten a Learjet, and Hogan picking, driving a pickup truck. This continues as they claim they will not arrive. They show the truck nearing the arena and then arrive with a black and white waiting and they run. I mean, just run from the truck and do not attack after they get out. And they have chairs too. Bish is babbling about why Rodman has not shown up tonight. Malone and DDP somehow sneak into the ring and clang chairs together. And this somehow surprises and scares Hulk and Bischoff. EB is shoved into them and pushed to the floor. Malone will not allow him to leave the ring as Hogan tries to beg off but finally relents and is willing to fight as the ring is littered with debris. Finally. Finally. They look up one they look up and they finally they lock up and they look alternative lifestyle as they rub against one another. Cole body slams him and the fans go nuts. He then strikes with two clotheslines. Two and Hulk retreats. Now the rest of the NWO come out to help help up Hulk Hogan. DDP has the mic and tells Hogan that he has just been slam-dunked punk and it's a shame that Denise, he means Dennis, being Hulk's girlfriend, could not be here. They lay out an open invitation for them next week in Hotlanta. If he does not, he will be at the pay-per-view for sure. Nice qualifier. Jesus, this is bromance as they make fun of Rodzilla's name and the PPV and the pay-per-view Santa. The Diamond Cutter is a special delivery and they will feel the bang. Well, I just did not feel it here. The wrestling was average at best. 
The focus on Rodman and Hogan was too much. The ratings being low compared to Raw makes me wonder if they will panic and Hogan will try and take a back seat. Tonight's show is an awful gimmick and it really didn't fucking work. Shavani didn't freak out about the main event all night either. But those ratings, uh-oh. And Hogan's going to show himself as a team player and get the belt off him because the ratings don't increase. The Late Show or Tonight Show segment was atrocious. When I first watched, I didn't know how bad it would get, but it was terrible. And everyone looked uncomfortable. Eva Steiner is injured or due to the injuries to Buff and Rick. They have nothing for him to do. Another newer development, the juvenile promos, especially from Hogan, talking about sex, Viagra, sissies, employing Savage and Piper were lovers is clearly a response to the WWF. And while theirs is fucking stupid, WCW come off as low rent and desperate. It is cheap heat and Hogan must be trying to make his style character more edgy. But Hogan comes off as a fucking creepy, old and out of touch. Also, knowing about his racist rant nowadays (laughs) makes it even more uncomfortable. It really, really does. But we move on. And next episode, Nitro, is episode 147. It's July 6th. And it's from Atlanta, George Dome. And we've come to the 20th anniversary of Goldberg's big WCW world title win over Hollywood Hogan. This was a special night for you, Dan, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes. Yeah. You really got to stay up for the third hour of Nitro, did you? It was hard for me to stay up for three hours. And then your uncle said, come here and watch the Nitro with me. Don't tell your mum. Well, we are going to start this historic night with hour number one. Your hosts are Tony Schiavone, Larry Sabisco, and Mike Tenay. Out comes Hollywood Hogan with his buddies Bischoff, Liz and the Disciple. Hogan is here to tell us about the NWO black and white Learjet he flew in on to be here. He's also got some good and some bad news to tell us. The good news is here in Rodzilla. <clears throat> the good news is here in Rodzilla have their plans set in stone for Bash at the Beach. And they DDP and Carl Malone. As for the bad news, those one or two Goldberg fans, Hogan says Goldberg has beaten no one but Jabronis. What about Raven? And does not deserve a WCW world title shot with somebody as great as Hollywood. However, if he can beat his hand-picked NWOite that we haven't seen in a while, then he'll face him and send this Goldberg guy packing. The NWO black of life and too sweet, hit the music and pose Well, throughout the night, fans at the Georgia Dome get a chance to cut a promo on Holland Hogan in support of the man, Bill Goldberg. This first one is the best. He tells Hope, this ain't Madison Square Garden, and it ain't 1985, it's 1998, baby. Adam Cole, baby! How did I know that you was going to fucking do that, you complete and utter cunt? Hey, WWE World Television Champion Booker T versus Dean Malenko. They trade shoulder blocks and drop toe holes to start. Booker stops that with a slam. Back suplex connects, but Booker whiffs on the missile dropkick. Texas Cloverleaf is countered with an inside cradle for two. two. Malenko flies down from the top onto a spine buster. Spinning heel kick leads to a flapjack as Booker... He misses the Harlem side kick as they both tumble onto the floor. Out comes Jericho with a microphone to bug Malenko... With Booker inside, he catches Malenko with the axe kick on the way back inside for the one, two, three. Jericho rejoices and heads to the back. Somewhere in the back, Goldberg is doing push-ups against two chairs. Elsewhere, Carl Malone talks to a camera, and he says he's so disappointed that Dennis Rodman didn't show up tonight. At Bash of the Beach, though, he will have to show. He doesn't know that much about wrestling, then, does he? 
We're up with our next match, and it is Raven with Lodi versus Canyon. I don't know why Canyon is still carrying around the Mortis mask. He hasn't been. He has been unmasked for months now. Anyway, they meet in the aisle for a fight. Inside the ring, they trade sleeper holds. Canyon goes to the counter with a back suplex, and they both go over the top rope to the floor in a sick bump. We get some barricade action, and a chair gets involved. Canyon delivers a flapjack out of a farmer's carry onto the chair. Cover, but only manages a two. He lays the chair on Raven's face and heads up top, but Lodi trips him up. With Canyon up top, Raven folds the chair and brings Canyon down on the chair with a superplex. Goodness gracious, what kind of old cunt has written this? The next thing we know, Saturn is out to beat up Raven for the DQ. Saturn is in a bit of a blind rage as he takes out his partner Canyon with a Death Valley driver. In the aisle, Saturn sets up a table and tries to splash Raven through it. Oh, but a table doesn't break. That's got to hurt. Saturn crawls back into the ring, clutching his ribs to take a flatliner from Canyon. Here, it's commercial time. Well, we've got a limousine outside. Is it Hogan's mystery opponent? Nope, it's Buff Bagwell with his mother, Judy. He's recovering from a horrible injury he suffered back in April. I'm sure we'll hear from him later in his hometown. Another fan cuts a promo and loves Goldberg's shocker. It's Nitro Girls time. I might be in love with fire, but not for the right reasons, mind you. With all that shown, we get we get clips from what happened last we just seen. With all that shown, Gina Eklund's introduces DDP and Carl Malone. They got their lame entrance routine all figured out and everything. DDP feels Hollywood scum Hogan is about to have the worst week ever. Tonight, Goldberg will tear him apart. Then Hogan gets banged this Sunday at Bash at the Beach. Malone gets on the stick and says he's going to whip Rodman like Madonna. Should have whipped him. DDP pops for everything Carl does. Malone calls himself the Rodzilla Killer. That'll do, Carl. Get ready to feel a bang, Hogan and Rodman. Stephen Michaels says things in a rather dark room. He talks about being a horseman and a Chicago bear. Mike Ditka puts him over too. What is the point of this? I wasn't really sure because I zoned out, but Tony tells us afterwards that he wants Arn Anderson to bring back the horseman. Trust me, Mongo. Everybody's going to get what they want come September. Well, next match is Scott Putsky versus... Hard to believe that they put this on right before Raw comes to end. Air. Back and forth clothesline and drop kicks to start. Putsky gets a nice set-out tilt wall slam on Riggs for two. Two. Riggs fights back with a hot shot and tosses out Putsky for a clothesline off the apron. Back inside, they both try cross-body blocks at the same time for a collision. Putsky mounts his comeback, hitting a Polish hammer. Riggs hits a jawbreaker and tries for his cross-face chicken wing finisher, but Putsky runs him into the turnbuckle and lands his Putsky bomb for the win. Tony calls, the Pats- Tony calls this Putsky's biggest win in WWE. Not as much of a feat, but you have to agree. Well, let us take you back to Nitro on the 22nd of September 1997. Goldberg gets his first win over Humorous. He looks at the camera and says, that's number one. You don't think they had a streak planned out that far in advance, do you? I don't. Well, hour number two. Two. And your hosts are Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay. The NWO black and white go to meet a limo and out pops Scott Hall. The party is here. He ain't scared of you, Goldberg. Well, up next is WCW Cruiserweight Champion Chris Jericho versus Ultimo Dragon. And before the match, Chris Jericho comes out and declares that Dean Malenko will not get a cruiserweight title shot at Bash at the Beach because he feels he is not the number one contender since he never beat him. Instead, he feels that Rey Mysterio is the number one contender 
since Rey Mysterio, midget, beat him last week on Thunder. JJ Dillon comes out and lets Jericho know otherwise that he will face Malenko at Bash at the Beach in a no-DQ contest. Out comes Dean and he is hopping mad. However, they must keep their hands off each other between now and the pay-per-view or the match is off. Since Jericho has a mic and he's darn entertaining, he tries to Malenko into punching him. Well, it escalates. People, well, it escalates people. Jericho goes as far as to tell Malenko that his brother Joe is from another mother. <laughs> well, that is all Malenko can stand because he swarms Jericho and punches his face real good to cost himself the Cruiserweight title match. Security takes care of Malenko while Jericho sits back and laughs knowing he got the best of Malenko and that he no longer has to wrestle him. After the break, we get Ultimo Dragon. Quick action to start with head scissors and shoulder blocks. Dragon flips out of a backdrop and does his head stand on the top turnbuckle before kicking Jericho back. He tries to crossbody out the corner, but Jericho steps out of the way. Come on, baby! Suplex and boot cover gets two. Two! Jericho misses a drop kick and here comes Dean Malenko out to put some more hurt on Jericho for a DQ. Malenko goes as far as to yank out some of Jericho's golden locks. Eventually, security and Atlanta's finest handcuff Malenko. We get some more Nitro Girls. And we get Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Johnny Swinger. Well, Johnny Swinger is here to show and tell us who he is and what he is. Just ask him. He'll probably ask you the same question. To explain why Chavo is wearing a hard hat to the ring, his uncle Eddie cut a chunk out of his hair last week on Thunder, so he's trying to hide the ball spot. Referee Charles Robinson will not let him wear that hat during the match, so he covers a spot with his hand pretty much at least in the beginning here. Tornado DDT puts away Swinger in just 1 minute 57. Chavo cuts a little bit of Swinger's hair after the bell. He then challenges Eddie to a hair match at Bash at the Beach. Wow. So let's take you back to Nitro, 29th of December 1997. Goldberg's 25th win was over Glacier. Interesting. Well, it was Public public Enemy versus Alex Wright and Disco Inferno, yeah? Yeah. The man who becomes Tokyo Magnum, or Magnum Tokyo, follows the dancer to the ring. They don't seem to care for him, though. The Public Enemy wear Relenta Braves jerseys and bring two tables with them. They dominate to start with brawling tactics and such. Tokyo causes a distraction and allows Wright and Inferno to fight back. Slingshot splash out the corner by right onto the grunge gets two. Two. Disco misses a flying elbow drop, which causes the hot tag to Rocco. Rocco. The dancing falls stop a double noggin knocker and then hit Rocco with a double. Well, they're just standing there, though. Grunge runs in with a ball, double bulldog. When public enemy decide it's time for the tables, they bail and leave Magnum to go through the double stack. The dancing falls return with trash cans and beat up public enemy. Until the bell rings. Five minutes and three seconds. The longest match of the night so far. Yep. Gene Oakland brings out Buff Bagwell and his mother Judy. Buff can, can't tell us how much now and he how he feels about the fans. Yet he continues to talk about it for a good long while. Buff Daddy loves Atlanta. Too bad they had to swerve the people because he could have been a great babyface. How does his mother mean to him during his recovery? Well, I'll tell you, there's no way Buff could tell you how he feels about her what's goldberg's 50th win you ask what is it rick fuller back on thunder 26th of december uh 26th of february 1998 my god so now we get to our number three and your hosts are tony schwanny bobby heenan and mike tenay and we get us heavyweight title it's bill goldberg who's 106 and 0 versus scott hall 
Well, this is Hull's first match on Nitro since the end of March. Who better than Hull, though, to set up Goldberg for Hogan? Who has credibility, but probably one of the few NWO members smart enough to know that sometimes it's okay to lose. This up with us, they don't seem to click. I don't know if Goldberg is a little too excited. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? So, this is a big match for him. He's got a great response. And Scott Hall just hit the back suplex and then going to go for the cover. Oh, but only gets a one count. One. No one told Hall that he's um, still wearing, like, black and red gear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just too pissed. He doesn't even realise. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm part of the Wolfpack. I am a part of the Wolfpack. And the fans solidly behind Goldberg. Can he win this one? And then go on to face Hogan later tonight. Scott Hall rocking Goldberg. Oh, Goldberg's just standing there now, shaking off the strikes from Hull. Well, I think he likes it. He blocks the last attempt and just like a hip-lock takedown. Another arm-drag takedown. And Scott Hall, bit rocked at the moment, and Goldberg is in control. Hull's actually not faking that staggering about. He's probably pissed. Well, either that was seriously hurt, and he's calling down the troops. Well, here comes the disciple, Vincent Henning. But DDP comes from behind and takes him out of a chair. Oh, and there's Carl Malone t- taking out Henning. Well, they've got a date with Van Hogan at the Bash at the Beach. And now Goldberg's got Hall. Oh. But Hall hangs up Goldberg over the top rope. And Scott Hall, will he be the man to break the streak? Big clothesline. And now he's calling for it. The outside is edge. He's going to put Goldberg away and shock the crowd in Atlanta. Here he goes. Goldberg with such a ferocious back body drop that he flips all over and he lands on his ass. And I just watched the crowd and they're just like, yes! And now here he goes. Spear! 40,000 people and Goldberg's ready. And now what's next, Dan? Well, James, he jacks him up, hammers him down. One, two, three. And Goldberg wins. My God, what a performance there. By Bill Goldberg running through Scott Hall with the help of DDP and Carl Malone. Well, he didn't really get help from them. They just alleviated the oncoming disciple and Vincent, really. He left it one-on-one, didn't he? And in a one-on-one situation... Situation. Goldberg usually comes out of top and he's US champion now. He's beaten one member of the NWO. Can he go on tonight in the main event and beat Hogan for the WCW Championship? We're going to find out in a little bit. Well, it is time for the Nitro Girls to molest the announced tables. And then our next match is Yuva 2 Guerrero versus Psychosis. And it's something to cool the crowd down here. They both miss corner charges to start. UV hits a couple of head scissors to take Psychosis to the floor. We get a plancha by Guerrero. Back in, Psychosis rolls through a springboard sunset flips and catapults Yuvi over the top rope to the floor. As if that's not bad enough, Psychosis flies down onto Guerrero with a centum. Holy crap. Back, holy crap. Back in, they get a two. Two. Uven two scores a UV driver and hits the 450 splash for the win. Afterwards, though, the flock heads down and puts the boots to Uven two. He faces Reese at, at Bash at the Beach. Well, Goldberg's 75th win. He defeats Raven and wins the WWS title on the 20th of April, 1998. We got over two minutes of build-up video package to the main event at the pay-per-view. Next match is the Giant versus Jim Duggan. And what is this doing here? This is some Saturday night action. If you will. Duggan is good on the Giant but can't slam the man. Giant gives him a slam but misses an elbow drop. Three point stance connects but Giant brings up his first 
to punch Duggan in the face to stop Old Glory knee drop. Down comes the strap, choke slam. Afterwards, Giant gets on the mic and calls Kevin Green a coward and the like. Well, here can, he clotheslines Giant out the ring and grabs Duggan's 2x4 to get him at bay. We'll be back. Well, up next it is DDP with Carmelone versus Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Or Jim the Crackhead Neidhart. This is like one of those Randy Savage matches where he takes the beating the whole time but then quickly comes back with a flying elbow. DDP gets caught in a full Nelson and low blows Neidhart to escape. Diamond cutter, it's all over. Goldberg's 100th win at the Great American Bash. He pings Conan with surprise, the jackhammer. Up next, it's Sting and Luger with Kevin Ash and Conan versus Kidman and Sick Boy. Oh boy, this doesn't look good for the flock. Sting a splash to both guys. Kidman eats a scorpion death drop while Sick Boy fills a torch rack for the submission win at 28 seconds. Someone must have gone long. Probably the buff Bagwell character, I would assume. Here's the main event and we're seeing Goldberg coming out here. And what an entrance. What reaction he's getting. This slow walk from the back with the help of security. It's, it's surprising how quick the Goldberg character really falls when you go back and watch it month for month. Really, isn't it, you know? It is indeed, yeah. You look at wrestlers and sometimes it takes years to change certain things about them or the way they are or how it all comes about. Like we see with The Rock, you know, The Rock has gone in nine months and he's not done as much as kind of The Goldberg, the tweaks, the streak is still continuing. It's a character they're going to capitalise on, you know. But literally, out of nowhere, with very little build, WCW decides to capitalise on Goldberg's overness and take the biggest money-making match they would ever have and throw it away on a free TV just to beat Raw in the ratings for a week. Since Raw was finally starting to beat up Nitro with its ratings-grabbing Austin McMahon feud. But to be fair, it was in front of over 40,000 people in the Georgia Dome with a near-million-dollar gate. But just think of the pay-per-view buys it could have garnered. This had most, this had almost everyone in the world baffled. But nevertheless, here we go. Yeah, and well, if you look at the Austin Michaels match at WrestleMania. It was Austin on his way to the World Championship, the story of how he got there. WrestleMania was like the biggest moment, winning the Rumble and stuff like that, and getting the title. Now, you would argue Hogan's a bigger style of Michaels, isn't he, you know? So that passing of the torch then would be bigger with Hogan passing it to Goldberg than it was Michaels with Austin, wouldn't it, you know? So, and then this therein lies the problems. Instead of having the build-up for Goldberg to Starcade to he cements his status as a kind of true star and the pass of the torch Hogan, as opposed to Hogan thinking, well, this guy's top. We're not doing well in the ratings. Let me drop the belt. Maybe I can win it back at a later date and say, look, Goldberg still hasn't done well as a ratings. Let me become champion. So it, it's kind of weird that we're this. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great atmosphere and it's a great thing for Nitro. But for me personally, this is Nitro at its peak. You know, we've watched this event now, I think, three times this match over the course of when we started the podcast, just because of <clears throat> the, the moment it was. It's, it's kind of WSW's biggest moment, you know. You, you got WSW, had the Starcade last year with Sting and Hogan, but the finish of that was shit, so this is what we're looking for now. And we're a week, you know, six days before a major pay-per-view. Major, major pay-per-view. pay-per-view. Goldberg's showing his strength, backing off Hogan. And Hogan's involved. We talked about how many feuds he's involved in. Now he's added Goldberg to the list of people that he wants to fight, you know? So is this, like, Hogan, his way of passing the buck, saying, well, you know, the ratings aren't down because of me. Well, yeah, I, I think that's how he got a title back, saying, like, oh, things were bad. 
And now he's thinking to himself, well, wait a minute here. Let me just give it to this guy. It makes him look good, you know, Hogan putting over Goldberg. So how many people did Hogan put over? I was watching the Andre Giant documentary the other day. Hogan saying how what a moment it was when Andre put him over and agreed to do it. And how you should do that passing the torch. Well, Hogan really never done that. It's in WWE and WWF. He never really done that, you know. He never passed the torch to Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, or someone. And even in WSW, we see now when he was meant to pass the torch to Sting, he somehow gets the championship back three or four months later. And now Sting is from the guy. Has now, don't get me wrong, the Wolfpack Sting's cool, but it's definitely a more mid card <coughs> or a, a kind of lower main event feel to it now, you know. And even with the whole NWO thing going, the the, the NWO Hollywood should be finished, and we should just be focused on the Wolfpack. Well, again, you know, this should be a kind of Wolfpack versus black and white. Winner stays, loser goes, or disbands. Yeah, exactly. And we haven't seen Goldberg taken out, with, you know, mentioning Conan and stuff, but not really focusing on any other NWO members. And he's been fighting Wolfpack, and now suddenly he's fighting Hogan. There's just too many things going on, you know, as Hogan's whipping and Goldberg. Like, yeah, Goldberg, you can win tonight, but you've got to make Hogan look as good as possible. Mm. And Hogan whips Goldberg a couple of times. Goldberg's back up to his feet, snatches the belt out of Hogan's hands. And Hogan's backing away into the corner. Goldberg, he doesn't need a belt. He wants the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Well, that's how tough Goldberg is. And Hogan, I don't think, realises what he's got himself involved in. Hogan trying to out-wrestle Goldberg, but Goldberg with a standing switch. Hogan in a Cobra clutch. Full Nelson. He's got Hogan in a full Nelson. Charles Robinson was behind as he saw that. (laughs) Yeah, he gets away with it. And now Hogan... Beating up Goldberg. How dominant Goldberg been? Hogan chokes. Clotheslines. Hogan massive clothesline at Goldberg and now choking him. But Goldberg has to beat Hogan. Hogan doesn't have to beat Goldberg. We see all these shenanigans as far as the disciples not nearby. Hogan looking to drop the elbow. Goldberg rolls out of the way. Rolls back underneath it and Goldberg, uh, Hogan thinks he can go for a second time but Goldberg again rolling out of the way. <laughs> Hogan hitting nothing but Matt. And now Bill just runs right through Terry. Well, a huge clothesline there. Gets the fans on their feet. Now Hogan looking to walk away from it now. Again, he doesn't need to win the match. Now Hogan says to the referee, make the count, going to get his belt. Maybe Hogan realises he can't beat Goldberg. Collar and elbow tie up now. Hogan looks to be winning that test of strength. Well, that Backs is, Goldberg up into the corner. That is a surprise. Hogan now with the knees. Of course, he's got so much more experience than Goldberg. He takes him outside. Right to Barry Cade now. Chair to the back. And the referee letting this go. Charles Robinson can see the three chair shots by Hogan. And now Hogan picking Goldberg up. Slams him down. And he's going to go for the leg drop. Hits it on Goldberg. Says that's it. And now a second leg drop. And Henning coming out there. Yeah. Oh, but again, here comes DDP and Carl Malone. Hogan went for the cover after three leg drops. And Goldberg kicked out. Uh, and Malone hits the diamond cutter <laughs> on Henning. And Hogan can't believe it. Looks round and the crowd now on their feet. Goldberg's perched in the corner. Bang. Gets hit with a spear. And Goldberg's there saying it's time. What happens next, Dan? Well, James, the NWO comes out. Yeah. Nah. He jacks him up. Hammers him down. One, two, three. <laughs> Look at that reaction for Goldberg 
winning the WSW World Heavyweight title, being undefeated and United States champion. Quite incredible there. Dan, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, if you're losing in the ratings wars and they got spanked last week, what do you do? You put the strap on your top guy. <laughs> well, it's, it's an historic moment though, isn't it? You know? Oh, it certainly is. We've followed Goldberg since the inception. We've followed Goldberg since his debut. And, you know, we haven't seen all his Nitro matches, uh, all his Thunder matches, but we've seen all his Nitro matches and the other ones that make up the numbers. But, again, you know, it's... I've made no bones about it. Goldberg is one of my favourite wrestlers from this era. And I think, you know, you're starting to jump aboard the G-train. Yeah. Well, it is, it's just... This is the kind of moment, you know, Goldberg built his legacy in this moment and on other moments that we've seen. It wouldn't get any better for WWE at this time. Goldberg is champion. Yeah, they were losing the ratings war, but they had a guy they could get behind. And it just... We'll see the problems that pile up for WCW. But at the moment, you just got to enjoy, especially 20 years ago to the day. Incredible that it's 20 years have gone by. And Goldberg, you know, atop of WCW's mountain. And the, the fans just so happy as well. But yet, 19 years later, that man would be... That's true. And he's come back to do that, hasn't he? Like I say, his WWE run was a bit of a disaster. And he, and he sorted the things out. But you can never argue with his... WCW legend, you know, and, and to be able to beat Hogan and be champion is quite an achievement, especially when you consider all the politics and all the stuff going on there it, at WCW. And for 20 years ago as well, to have that kind of impact that it has on professional wrestling. And this was the rival of WCW. That, uh, WWE, that was a competition. We don't get this anymore. We don't see people, other companies, but do on you this. think. WCW shouldn't have worried about going against Raw in the waitings. They should have just focused on being their own product, doing what they do, and, you know, they, they could have gone on for a, a bit longer. No, without a doubt. Without a doubt. If they didn't worry about that, they concentrated on that Goldberg becoming champion and having Brett wrestle all these other up-and-comers and making a good show itself, it would have been better off. But, unfortunately, at that time, Bischoff was just worried about the ratings. And he like, said, yeah, it did kill him. Even if they wouldn't have had it, they could have been around for so many years. And the sickening thing is as well, with the talent coming through in 2002, Punks, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryans, they could have carried on now to be still forced now. And it's always great to have competition. And I know the New Japan stuff is great, and hopefully the All In event's going to be good. But this is the last time WWE had any true competition, you know. And like I say, in the ratings, WSW spanked Raw uh, on this show. And that leaves us in then... Two, uh, <laughs> that leads us, that's the end of the podcast now, and we're going to be back with part two, and we'll have WWE Bash at the Beach, 1998, and the Nitros, <coughs> and we'll have WWE Bash at the Beach, 1998, and the Nitros after, but until then, don't forget to contact us on Twitter, at WWE Network Review, or at Vince McDan, WWE, I'm at J underscore Rollins, across all the Google platforms, WWE Network Review and Google Plus. Send us an email, doublepodcast at gmail.com. Also on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review Podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast. We've got clips on there. Podcasts got at the same time. They do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Don't forget to subscribe to our Music Maker Diddly. We're also on Stitcher Radio and Spreaker Radio. We've got our live shows next 
month, August 18th and 19th. It's NXT TakeOver and SummerSlam. And, of course, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is it. Like I said, we'll be back for part two, two. of the WNR 167. That is WSW Bash at the Beach 1998. But until then, I have been James Rowlands. And as always, I was joined by... Damn right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye. <laughs>